the globe and back in your ear hole. It's the State of Combat Podcast with the Brian Campbell on CBS Sports. And it is the box edition. All boxeo, all the time. Back with a bang. And of course, produced, underwritten, sponsored, and brought to you by that performance enhancing audio. How dedicated is the Brian Campbell and your boy Rafe Bugs to giving you the kind of box audio you deserve? Wow. We're even getting Rafe from across the globe, Manila and beyond to make this show happen. And it is a loaded show, folks. Looking back on a pretty busy weekend, including wins from maybe your pound for pound king, Terrence Crawford. Big bounce back from Danny Garcia. Big news from the big baby. And a preview of what could go down as the hipster boxing weekend Super Bowl with one good below the radar fight after another. Heck, we even got an interview with one of those said fighters this weekend when Ruguru himself, Regis Progre, arguably the best fighter in the world at 140 pounds, stops by to call some people out, talk about box. Yes. Fired up, please. If you're as fired up listening to this show as I am delivering it to you, do us that solid and go ahead on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, MySpace, Tinder, wherever you are listening to this show, swipe right and give us that five-star review. All right, that's good. Hey, let's get to Boogs right away. Let me bring this man in. There's two, only two things I want to talk about with him. Let's talk math. Let's talk boxing. And first, the only opinion you should uh, listen to is your own or something like that. Don't listen to Dwyer's opinion. We'll get to that in a second. Richie, Richie's back with us as well. But let me bring him in straight from the Philippines. He's an icon in many countries. He is a New York Times best-selling author. He will lick you up. His name is Rafe Bartholomew. Let me lick you up. Let me lick you up. Earthquake yesterday. Who poisoned him? Maybe. Hey, Rafe, are you alive, bro? Can you update the people on what you have endured in the past 72 hours? Good God. Uh, Brian, it has been ugly. Uh, before you remember, we talked about all the the foods that you were so curious about last week that I was describing for you all, the, the dangerous types of things I'd be yeah, let putting me guess. in my so mouth. You, you ate a, a, a goat heart covered in, uh, what, uh, rat embryo? What'd you, what'd you, what'd you eat this time, Ray? That, that was the plan. But before I could even get to my favorite typhus laden carinderias out here in Manila, somebody on the Philippine Airlines flight Slip me a Jimmy oh my in my food. I mean, it was bad. Oh, God. I mean, that's just another hot beef injection. <laughs> um, yeah, before literally before I could taste any food here in the Philippines, before I set foot on Philippine soil, I had eaten something really, really bad on that airplane that just killed me for two days. I, I'm still dizzy. I can't really walk good right now. I'm speaking better. That's good. I, uh, I did a lot of uh, yakking, uh, as uh. they say informally, uh, but that's good. I've been on solid foods for 24 hours. I'm coming back. In the middle of it all, there was a 6.1-degree earthquake about, I don't know, 
20 miles, uh, 67 kilometers outside of Manila. Uh, Castillejos, uh, Zambales is the exact epicenter. It's been crazy, man. This, I love this country and it's trying to kill me all of a sudden. <laughs> love it. Love that you survived it, Rafe. Love your dedication to do this show regardless. We already knew that you could hear Jimmy. Now you, you can eat Jimmy. You know, you can feel Jimmy. Someone has slipped me the Jimmy. And, and the most Im- more important than all of the, my woes, my ordeals is that as soon as the other thing that happened, as soon as I touched ground, see, there's here, I still use an antiquated form of, of mobile communications. I basically use prepaid communications. I, is this I, and like the wire? When you, Are you like, uh, you, Using those burner phones? Is this what's happening? I, look, I, I, I may have a, a series of unlocked phones. I actually have a Huawei, which isn't even legal in the United States, but I use it because, shoot, I paid for it. I might wow, as well use it. Wow. I don't care. I don't care who in China is getting my information. I'm not going to meet them in all likelihood. But what I was getting at, so the, the local term for when you add credit to your, to your phone here is load. And when, oh, and God. believe it or not, this is real. This is real. I, Revisit my Twitter. I put it up there. When your load is getting low, you get an automatic message from your provider, in my case, Globe Telecom. It says, load watch. You have X amount of pesos remaining on your, on your credit. So this is the world capital of load watch. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to talk box. I'm happy to talk math. I'm happy to talk performance enhancing audio and our guy, Big Baby Miller. Possibly shot his load and worked too hard at the... So, Riff, are you dabbling right now with load management? Is this what you're saying? Because we've got audio. Uh, James Harden was asked about this same topic. When you hear the phrase yeah. load management, what do you think? What, do you, what are your thoughts on that phrase? What is that? Load management. Uh, <laughs> I'm a hooper. I'm a hooper. I love to hoop. I don't believe him. I know he's he's managed a few loads in his life. I don't agree with the part about me being horny all hours of the day. Few hours in the day, yeah. Few hours in the day, James Harden has managed a few loads. Come on, come on. He might have shot his load. Well, he has. uh, Shout out to James Foley, our boxing friend, one of the biggest Houston Rockets fans in the world. He will tell you that James Harden may have shot a few loads and 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 puttered out in in the playoffs in recent years. He he hopes it won't happen again. Wow, wow, take that. Yeah, right, Jeffrey. All right. Uh, I don't even know where to go here. I, I'm just glad you're alive, Rafe. I'm glad you're with us. If we do experience any audio difficulties, I apologize to the people in advance. Are you with me? Tell me, are you with me, Rafe? That's you. We know that you know the words. That's all I need to hear. It's a, are you with me? Are you look at me? Are you with me? Rafe, do you deserve more or less credit than Joe Tessitore on Saturday's ESPN pay-per-view broadcast having uh, a neurological blah, 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 which I guess he fainted before the show, went to the hospital, and then Willis readed himself back into the damn garden in the midst of that pay-per-view card and said, Bosuna, you out of that chair, bro. I'm back. Trust me, I'm back. I got to give the the tip of the hat to Joe Tess on that one. I, I have not been hospitalized. I could have hospitalized myself, but... Well, maybe I'm more man than Joe Tess because I said, heck no, I, I ain't going to no hospital. I'm just going to sit here with a big jug of water, six liters right here. This wow. is my second of the day and just going to nurse myself back to health step by step, load by load. Wow. All right. You know, from the tip to the cup, Rafe, I know you don't know what that means. I'll, let me let me break it down for you. I have a group of analysts who receive the tip. They review the tip. 
Uh, they analyze the tip information and determine what type of tip it is. Yeah. All right. Hey, hey, I got a tip for you uh, listeners out there, by the way. And I know the people that like this show know that there's more to CBS Sports than just the state of combat. Hey, Rafe, let me ask you this. Do you miss when sports networks used to cover just the news and highlights without that yelling and fake debate? Do you? Do you? I sure do, Brian. You know I do. So do I, bro. And if you agree with Rafe and I, if you hear Jimmy, what you need to do is check out CBS Sports HQ. Yes, the free 24-hour sports network that is built for fans just like Rafe, BC, and you. Here's what you're going to find there, folks. Tons of highlights, analysis, instant game reactions, basically everything that matters about the game or the fight. But no diving into the politics, social issues, load watches, or off-the-field topics like on other sports networks. If you like listening to me on this SOC podcast, I know you'll love checking me out on CBS Sports HQ, breaking down fights, previewing them, reacting to the big news. Hey, this week, HQ is headed to Nashville for the NFL Draft. For all three days, HQ will be in the Music City with extensive draft coverage and even a few surprises. We'll have our full NFL crew providing analysis, grades, fantasy implications for every pick over all seven rounds live as they get announced. Thursday night, Friday night, and all day Saturday. Who's going to be there? The likes of Pete Prisco, Danny Cannell, Brady Quinn, Jason Lockenfora, Ryan Wilson, Bryant McFadden, Jamie Eisenberg, and much, much more. Hey, all the NFL guys that you know, you love, check them out on CBS Sports HQ. It's always on. It's always free. And here's the key, folks. You don't need to pay a subscription fee. There's no $9.99. There's no expensive cable package. And who else is going to give you that kind of package? Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone. Fire TV, Roku, Apple TV, and start watching today. Thank you. No. Wow, Brian. Wow. That, I, you know, I have it on strong authority that the CBS Sports app is the number one app of the NoFap community. So it is that good. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, uh, It'll help I'll you keep it in your fap. pants. I'll never jack. I won't back up. I'll be there until I can't breathe. Yes. That's what men do. Well, Rafe, in a minute, we're going to have to find out whether Amir Khan... I know this sounds terrible. I think you should finish. In a minute, we will get there. Um, before we do, Rafe, before we break down a loaded weekend that was, uh, what do you got planned in the next few days in the Philippines be- besides surviving? What do you got? What do you got? Anything? I'm still taking it easy, to tell you the truth, Brian. I- I'm not feeling 100% quite yet. So I'm just hanging out in my old neighborhood, going to start seeing some some old friends starting tomorrow, starting to make plans, getting dragging myself out of the cave and and and, and not just recuperating the whole time. But I, I, I kind of have to readjust my plans. Nothing too crazy. No. Uh, you know, I, I always like to take a trip God, to the middle of nowhere and do and just like find, uh, you know, ride a ride a ride a bus full of full of rice and chickens to some place and then just get off and find the nearest beach and chill out for a few days. I may not have the confidence to do that depending on my health this time, but I'm going to see all my old people, see my godchildren, see my friends and give a lot of presents away, give some money away because I'm a big white guy and people are going to see me and see dollar signs. Give away any loads or no, you'll manage that problem. No, 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 no. It's Danny's night. No, wow, wow. All right, Rafe. What blessings, prayers up to you. I hope that you survive. Um, 
before we also get into this, uh, Load Watch is out of control, Rafe, as we already know. Okay, it's taking over. It's a thing. It's in, infiltrated the NBA. Uh, it used to be, Rafe, where one or two times between shows we get DMs, a, a text message from somebody close enough to me, a, a tweet that, hey, bro, you got to check out, you know, did you see the contender? They dropped a load on there. Or did you watch NBA tonight? Like, whatever. Now it's to the point, Rafe, where I can't even keep up with it. There's so many loads. There's so many near loads, false loads. There's just like, it's out of control. I, I literally cannot keep up with it, Rafe. We've started something that we can't control. We, at first we were playing with the bag, you know, you gotta tease the bag, you gotta, uh, now it's like, Rafe, I don't know where to go from here. I, I feel like we're gonna eventually gonna be blamed. People sending me hockey sound. He's standing in front of the net with about eight inches of his shaft in his hand. <laughs> I, 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 what do I do with that, Rafe? I, I don't, you gotta do what you gotta do with the shaft, man. I mean, seriously. Boxing life is foreign to most of us. Strapping it on and going toe to toe with a foe is something most of us will never experience. But to that guy's point, Rafe, have you ever strapped it on and gone toe to toe? I, I have not yet experienced. I haven't gotten in the ring. I am, I am a fake. I'm a phony, man. I'm not one of the, I am one of these boxing commentators who's never strapped one on and gone toe to toe in that ring, in that squared circle. Yes. Um, all right. Before we start the show, we want to, uh, morning bird call. Shout out the Irish crew. Shout out the Alex Godinez crew. Shout out to our friend in the business, by the way. Uh, Evan Rakowski of the Fistionados podcast, who debuted a new segment this past week in which he took some of the debates, the, the philosophical boxing marketing questions that you and I have put out into the ethos and really given some thoughtful, detailed, long uh, responses. Revisit his collaboration over there at the Fistionados podcast at Fistionados on Twitter. By the way, Evan, the only problem is it's hard to find your pod. Rafe, do you have this problem? If you subscribe to the Leave It in the Ring feed, you don't get Evan. I don't know how to get his pod. I, I listen. Well, to you it. do. He shows up on that feed. He just is. He shares it with. Kurt Emhoff and the rest of the, and Gabe Montoya and, and the Leave It in the Ring podcast and the, and the Ficionados is every other week. So you gotta be patient. It's a, it's a slow burn. All right. Uh, but it, you know, it's there and it's pretty amazing the way that he takes two idiotic things that we talked about and almost forgot we ever said and then turns it into a real discussion. I was impressed. I, the only thing I, he, uh, he referenced us and put us over and I love it. But he said, you know, we, we get, and we know this already. We give a great mix of real analysis and potty humor. I keep my head in the potty. I, my, my head has been in a potty in the last 24 I, I hours. I can, I can, I can, I can promise you all that. That does justify it right there. And at first, you know, I wanted to be offended by that. Be like, no, we're more than that. We're more than, uh, stick jokes. But I don't, I, I actually, I, I often wonder if we really are right. Not really. Not, Not really. really. All right. So thank you, Evan. Hey, revisit his collaboration, Strongman. Lord. I have it in my favorites folder. Big fan of that show. He could use a little more Dwyer on that show, but outside of that, that guy's a smart man. We should have him on this show, right? I, you know, I thought I thought about bringing him, inviting him long ago, but then he became a regular on Mannix and all the other good oh. pod, boxing podcasts, and I was like, ah, you know what? They like they kind of beat us to the punch. Although, look, I'm sure our listeners would would like it just as much, in, assuming they aren't listening to every bodca- boxing podcast in the world, like like I kind of do. Wow, he broke your heart going on Mannix. Before that. 
It was almost a tug and war of kindness between you and Evan. It was like a tug and war of kindness. Every time I was kind, she would be more kind. Then I'd be more kind. Then she would be more kind. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of kindness going back and forth. What is right. the, Brian, do you not want to talk about boxing with me? you acting like this is a slow week. This is a, this is, everything is happening right now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That, that would be, that's how men do it. It's time. It's time to get into the week and recap, Rafe. And we start at the top of the Pops ESPN pay-per-view, Madison Square Garden, where it all happens, where it all matters. And in the end, although they were pretty, pretty damn strong pay-per-view undercard, outside of that, the main event, largely inconsequential, kind of a womp-womp in the end, when Terrence Bud Crawford stops Amir Khan after the sixth round, in the sixth round, after going low, or did he? Did he hit the tip just for a second, or did he hit the leg just to see how it feels? You be the judge, but in the end, Rafe, let's not lie. We thought the fight was going to essentially end this way. Crawford by TKO, so it's not that much of a surprise. What we saw through six rounds really isn't that much of a surprise. But the way in which it ended, which with which was very confusing, very odd, I think it fueled everybody who was like, what a joke, what a farce, $70 for that crap, if you paid for that year. When in reality, I'm going to give them credit. During a time when there is a lot of crap on pay-per-view, Top Rank loaded that thing up with fights and storylines I needed to see from Verdejo to Teofimo to Shakur Stevenson that, even though I didn't pay for it, damn right I didn't pay for this, I felt like it still was a entertaining, worthy night of fights, despite that main event. Yeah, look, that was one of the strong, that I would call it easily the strongest pay-per-view undercard we've seen and are going to see this year. And I, even though it, of course, DAZN is not a pay-per-view, I, it's, it looks a lot stronger than what we're going to get on the Canelo Jacobs undercard and, and likely what we're going to get on the undercards for, for AJ and, and God knows who and, and Triple G versus Stevie Rowley. I mean, oh, it, it was a, it was a strong undercard. It had fighters you wanted to see. Even like Shakur Stevenson and, and Christopher Diaz, that fight looked like it might have been more competitive on paper. But props to Stevenson for for really looking great in that. And and there, even if it even it, even though it ended up being pretty one sided. These are all fighters we want to see as much as possible. And it's stacked up one after the other. I, I can't really complain about that. And look, the, the, the sort of the great irony of the Amir Khan finish was let's turn back the clock a few weeks. Bob Arum was pumping up the, the Crawford Khan pay-per-view saying, Oh, we got Amir Khan. He's never in a bad fight. He always goes and, and puts fights with his heart on his heart on his shield and goes out doesn't matter. He's not like Mikey Garcia. He's not going to cheat the people of their pay-per-view money. And what happens? Uh, Amir Khan may have looked for a way out of what he had gotten himself into in Terrence Bud Crawford. He fights like a tough, tough gang member. Uh, he, he does have balls, and he may or may not you know? have gotten hit in them balls, Rafe. It's true, Brian. That just made me think, because of course that's that's Bob Arum discussing the great Jeff Horn. But what if what if Amir Khan's next career move is to hook up with Glenn Rushton oh. to get his mind right, to get the the Swami in there, just 
talk him up, get Amir feeling confident again, got him feeling like himself again, not thinking about all that went down with AJ. That's all. That's the past, man. Move on. It's time to take over. Amazing how everyone's saying, you know, maybe he should finish. I think that's too harsh. And you're saying, no, you should get with Glenn Rushton, find out the the rhythm pressure method, and then, yeah, finish in your own way. You have a little bit of fun with the bag. You play with it. Uh, all right. Let's get real for a second here. Uh, Rafe, let's settle a debate a lot of people are having. Amir Khan, of course, got hit low, was given the five minutes. The, it was a left hook. It looked to be on the thigh, but it was close enough to that zone, the greater do- – and I'm not going to try to pretend I know how big – Amir Khan's package is, although, uh, to be honest, we've all he seen may, it. He might be one of those we've those mythical guys who got to wrap it around. Well, actually, no, we've seen it. It Rafe, doesn't really look like honest, the kind you need to wrap. Revisit his collaboration. We've actually seen <laughs> it. All right? You know what I'm saying? Um, given the full <laughs> five minutes, and in the midst of those five minutes, there's confusion in the corner. The doctor's on the ring apron. Virgil is Hunter. The trainer is asking him questions. And suddenly the fight is stopped. And I know people like uh, our friend Nicole Duva were like, hey, boxing writers on Twitter. She's like, how do you not know the rules? I didn't know the rules in that, in that instance. I didn't know that if you are given the five minutes and you say you can't continue, it doesn't go to the scorecards for a technical decision. It's a TKO loss. So you either continue or you don't. And that's why you get five full minutes. In the end, Virgil asked Khan if he can, if he wants to continue. Khan said no afterwards saying he felt like his stomach had dropped and he couldn't feel his legs and he wasn't there, blah, blah, blah. But is, in the end, Rafe, in boxing's harshest terms, did he quit? A guy who we said at least coming in, he's going to go out in his shield, he's not going to quit. Did he quit, Rafe? Um, I think that Virgil Hunter gave him the out. Which was kind of Virgil Hunter. He saw what, how the fight was going. He saw Amir Khan's body language when he came to the corner after that low blow, started taking his mouthpiece out, was shaking his head, calling the doctors up to talk to him. The referee is saying, do you want the five minutes? And he's like, huh, huh, what, what? He keeps turning his back, acting like the fight is over. The body language was there. And at that point, I mean, I, there, there, like there, Virgil Hunter could have done a couple of things. He could have yelled to Amir Khan, Hey, relax, you got five minutes, walk around, walk it off, take the time, see how you feel, and then go on with the fight. But, you know, you saw also in the rounds leading up to that to that sixth round, Amir Khan was shaking out that right hand, complaining about it in the corner. And besides the, the, the beating that he was taking in the ring against Terrence Crawford, he was having these hand problems. That discouragement looked like it was getting to him, and this was the proverbial way out. Was it a, a, as obvious a quit as saying no mas? No, but it was him finding a way out of the fight. So can you criticize him for that? I think you can. For me, look, I, it's just, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm soft on quitters. I don't know why. I just feel like, shoot, you know, it's, it looks like a pretty hard damn thing to do in there. (laughs) And like, if you decide you want out, I'm not going to judge you that harshly. Now, I should probably be thinking more in terms of the fan and the per- the paying fan, the person who paid to go watch this fight, the person who paid to watch it on TV, and how that that kind of outcome does really cheat them. But at the same time, I don't my I, I sympathize. I still sympathize with the athlete who look. He had that that fight was not going to end well for him, despite what Dwyer thought. Uh, and it it just seemed like I couldn't really blame him. 
I guess, I guess deep down, if you, when it comes to it, maybe I feel like I might quit too if I were tested like that. I well, might yeah. jack. So I, I leave a little room in my heart for the jackers. Couple things to lay out here. Number one, he, he was fighting. Maybe we'll get into that in a second, but maybe the best fighter in the world. Okay. Number one. All right. This wasn't Julio Diaz or Sammy Vargas who both kind of rocked Khan, knocked him down, but Khan showed balls right at the ship. I mean, this is a guy who's the best in the world, like a, a killer with a real backbone. If there's one thing ESPN got right in all the hyperbole they, they threw down your throat it, leading up to this fight, and they did a lot of promotion. I'm very interested to see what the pay-per-view numbers say because they did do a lot of promotion. This was their inaugural pay-per-view in the top rank era. But one thing they nailed was that Bud's a bully underneath it all. I mean, he wants to hurt you in the ring. He doesn't have a ton of personality. His personality is I want to hurt you. So establish that as one thing. Number two to kind of support Khan, he was coming off the best stretch of the fight for himself, the end of round five, when he turned the tables on Crawford, started to dart forward in sort of a crazy style in which he would throw, like, weird haymakers that he knew wouldn't land, but it would force Bud to get defensive. And then at the end of those four and five punch combinations, he was landing stiff shots. But he quit. Let's be really honest. And the reason why you know for sure he quit was afterwards, Virgil didn't get his back. In the post-fight interview, Virgil said, when they pressed him, Virgil said, yes, I asked him if he wanted to continue, and he said no. So Virgil confirmed. Amir Khan quit. He didn't want to continue. And the reality was Virgil wanted to get him out of there. He knew how that fight was going to end. Even though Khan just had some success, he had been knocked down in round one. And the main hook here is that all the things we said coming in of how Amir Khan might be able to be competitive for four, five, six rounds in the same way when he was leading on the scorecards against Danny Garcia before the knockout, when he was leading on the scorecards against Canelo before the knockout. What we found out early, Rafe, and repeatedly over those first two, three, four rounds was that Khan was not on Crawford's level. This wasn't the Canelo and Danny Garcia fights. You could say, whether you want to mount it up to the fact that Khan at 32 is start, is really started to turn that corner physically in terms of losing those type of speed advantages he once had, or whether you just want to chalk it up to Bud being a special, special, generational, all-time talent, which he could end up being if he can consistently start getting big-time competition to prove that to us. Certainly on the eye test, he's slaying it. But Rafe, Khan wasn't in this fight in the way we th ways we thought he could be. And it seems like everybody knows that and realizes that and accepts that, except for Richard Dwyer, Rafe. What, what sound were you sending me here? What the hell is happening? I don't want to turn this show into like... Let's play the hits and highlights from Richard Dwyer. By the way, revisit his collaboration on YouTube, uh, Dwyer Boxing. It's fantastic. It's great. We we sometimes take uh, jokes at it. We sometimes revel in his ge in his comic genius, in his delivery. But sometimes, Rafe, he's had a tough year, and we got to call him out. He was back in Khan's back foot game coming in, and even with this disastrous one-sided loss, he can't get off the con stool, Rafe. But understand, fight wasn't a mismatch. Khan is very much in the fight. What? There's an open question, even now, on whether Crawford could handle Khan's speed. He Khan blows the space in the first round, doesn't he? No, he doesn't. The only thing he blew was the fight. He wasn't on Crawford's level, Rafe. I mean, can, can, before can't I play more... handle your speed, Before Khan. I play more Dwyer sound, like, are, do you agree with me that Khan's speed... Was it, it didn't show up in this? Crawford was faster, like you predicted. 
I, I thought that it I, it didn't show up as a huge advantage. He didn't look slow in the fight. What what I what surprised me is he looked sloppier than I had ever yes. seen him before. And and Paulie Malignaggi mentioned this on the the BBC Five Live podcast that his the some of the speed was there, but the coordination wasn't. And you you that kind of like you were describing with those those flurries where he was leaping in and all, kind of all over the place. In some ways, it did make Crawford look a little bit confused because it was confusing because it was like, what the heck is this right now? It wasn't, it didn't, wasn't particularly effective. And overall Crawford was by far getting the better of those rounds, but it also wasn't giving Crawford the the opportunity to really put on a showcase and really just like light up con. Like, like I thought he might have, and maybe he was going to, if the fight had continued, but it was, let me interrupt you. Do you think the sloppiness was because of, the first round knockdown, and by the way, Crawford, who always starts slow, found an opening, hit him with that right, that turned Khan's chin, and came back with a looping left that floored him. Do you think Khan's legs never recovered? That's possible. I mean, you got to you 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 have to factor that in and think that's that that's part of it because we've se- we've seen what happens when Khan gets hit and goes down before his legs can be jelly for a very long time, and it seemed and and if if that wasn't the if that wasn't the case in this fight, then he's just got bigger problems in general because the legs were there in some regards. But again, they just weren't productive. He, he was all over the place. He was just kind of flying around and, 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 you know, getting hit and not, not accomplishing much in the ring. So he, he, I guess he succeeded in dirtying up or not dirtying up, but uglying up the fight in a way that, that kept him, uh, I, I wouldn't say in it like Dwyer believes, but, kept him from from really getting lit up like like he might have otherwise but it was it wasn't a great looking performance by any means as far as i was concerned all right let's go back to dwyer here he's 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 got interesting takes on this one right if if a guy's gonna talk smack about the other guy quitting do it legally you don't hit a guy low or hit a guy with a rabbit punch and then say hey he was looking for a way out you gave him the way out um, did what? I feel like we need to like get on the couch here and psychologically break this down. What was Dwyer's ultimate bet coming in? Because it seems like he's well, hedging. He actually with weird he did fine. He the hedge. He got he got his hedge. He 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 did the the underdog for the win six plus six fifty for for Amir Khan and then hedge with 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 Crawford by stoppage so he he survived it's just he he saw something different in the fight than the rest of the world all right it's very it's very Dwyer like you know I'm guessing a lot of the men watching this video have gotten hit inadvertently in their private parts before well yeah. right understand boxing rules. All of us understand that the family jewels are so vulnerable that the rules allow you to have five minutes in a sport where a round is three minutes. They allow you to have a round plus two minutes because everyone understands that when you get hit there sometimes, life ain't the same. Well, he he did nail that, Rafe. He did absolutely nail that. I just found it weird how much he's defending Khan in this. Look. Khan got outclassed. Whether it was the first round knockdown that took him off his game or not, I know he showed heart in those early rounds by getting up and coming back. The second round was really Crawford, surprisingly for me, kind of almost shooting his load going for the knockout. Got a little bit reckless, was just trying for one shot. At the end of the second round, 
Crawford, though, made that adjustment and, and realized, okay, look, I'm not going to knock him out with one shot. I got to go back to breaking him down. Rounds three and four, he just broke him down, Rafe. It wasn't really that yeah. competitive to me. And look, again, it's not that we didn't see this coming in, but I was, I guess, surprised at how easily Crawford adjusted, Rafe. I thought he was going to punt a few rounds. He didn't need to. This was one-sided as expected. Yeah, and, and talk, let's talk, talk about that 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 first round, that knockdown, the, the the angle that he was able to land that right at. I mean, it almost came straight down. It was I, talk. I mean, that that's when you see really special stuff out of Terrence Crawford because that wasn't a normal punch that wasn't a, a normal opening it was I mean he found something there that that changed the fight really just you could say ended the fight or made made it clear that what was going to happen for the rest of this fight right there and it was something like you could you can't teach you can't predict he it was just there there was a split there was a moment a window and he figured it out that's that's why this guy is special yeah yeah he certainly is Rafe and all right, Dwyer, you got anything else? And understand, Khan has power. Right, Khan's dropped many people. Many people. <coughs> many. 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 I, many I guys. Other than the... Many guys. Many guys. Other than yeah, many times, Rafe, he's dropped him in the ninth round. That fight went nine rounds. Nine rounds. Nine rounds. All right, enough Dwyer here. Uh, so, Rafe, uh, despite what Dwyer's saying, I didn't really see Khan's power. I didn't see anything. No, no. I Like, he did manage to land a, a few flush shots in, in a handful of rounds, which you would expect to happen in a boxing, fa- in, in a, in a, you know, in a boxing match, a fight, a bout. Um, but... So what? Con, Crawford never looked hurt, never looked rattled, never looked concerned about whatever Khan had landed. He was always in control, always landing the cleaner, harder shots. He was doing better work. I, so I, I would not expect Terrence Crawford to get through a fight completely untouched. I mean, Terrence, I mean, Jeff Horn touched him a few times. Jeff Horn touched him a few. Jeff, who's Jeff Horn? Nobody. Who's Jeff Horn? Nobody. I don't, I got so many different disrespectful things that I can say right now. I don't even want to do it because that was back then. Doesn't even matter now. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, let me take you behind the curtain real quick. I had a chance, uh, Thursday of fight week to go to New York City and interview, uh, during the satellite media tour in person, all the top names on this card. And I sat down with Khan, and he's fantastic, by the way. you got to give that up to him. He was on this show uh, a month ago. He's fantastic. He's a great interview. During the interviews, in between, Virgil Hunter's standing in this tiny hotel room that's sweaty, and he's standing by the doorway, and he's getting agitated and agitated. And after my interview with Khan, with me in full vocal range of hearing this, Virgil starts complaining. Every effort interview is the same. Every single interview is the same. Why are we wasting our time here? We need to be training. Mir, every interview is the same. They ask the same questions every single time. And Mir's like, well, 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 Vajal, uh, well, Vajal, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're different entities. They're different, you know, different. No, no, no. It's the same interview every time. I don't get it. This is so stupid. And then, uh, Khan goes, how much more do I have? And the guy running is like, you got, uh, three or four more. Hold on. We'll hook up. Virgil steps in and goes, no, it's over. I'm sorry, fellas. I'm sorry. It's over. This is too much. This is ridiculous. And he pulls Amir off the stool and they leave, Rafe. I, look, when you, Virgil has made it clear that when he wants to get something done, he can pull that ponytail and end it yes, quick. He spoke right? it, it's received it out. He knows a few it. things. Wow. That was pretty interesting. All right. So, um, 
should Khan finish Rafe? Let's be honest here, okay? This was, again, it's, it's hard to just outright say, he's 32. He can make a lot of money against a lot of people. It's hard to outright say, oh, this proves he should quit when he fought arguably the best in the world. You're, what, what say you on, I know it's harsh, but should he finish, Rafe? Should he finish? Like, do I think that, usually we save that for someone who is like endangering their, their future livelihood or, or really looks like they are washed badly. Khan is not that. But what I do also you, Rafe, don't really if, care if I ever see him fight again. But Rafe, but, if, I'm going to interrupt yeah. you. If Virgil did not pull him out, would he have taken the kind of KO loss that you would be on this show saying he should finish? Maybe. No, I don't think so. Just because, like you, you said it, you're fighting Terrence Crawford. You know what, I, I kind of know what's going to happen if that fight is allowed to reach, uh, its natural conclusion. So, I don't know if I'd be out here beating the Prince Nassim drum, especially because, and we gotta give Teddy Atlas some credit here. This has been his line for months leading up to this fight about how Amir Khan's true talent in boxing is talking himself into these big fights. You look back for the last five years, who has Amir Khan fought? He will only fight comeback fights, kind of just like stay busy fights, things that are totally easy walkovers for him where he still manages to get hurt usually and, uh, and have a few scary moments. Or he goes and talks himself into huge fights. Terrence Crawford, Canelo. He get he, that. That's and if he wants, if he can continue doing that, oh, well, I mean, it's hard to say no. If he can, if he can manage to pull this off one more time, talk himself into one more big payday. Shoot, maybe catch Manny in a in a year or two coming off a loss or something. If he if, if Manny has to go up against a, a tough welterweight in the PBC and and they still want a big name after that. There, there may, there could be a name out there someday. If Khan wants to keep his hat in the, you know, his name in the ring, why not? I feel like we'll eventually see him against, uh, Kelbrook because there's, you know, six, seven million to be made in England for that. And I feel like you're right. I feel like we eventually see him against Manny in some form. That's just like, I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. He probably just con- continues the pattern you just laid out. Fights, comeback, fights against guys he shouldn't, yet looks vulnerable in them. But yet wins and seduces us into thinking he can compete in another big one. But I think he's Look, done. He, not, he doesn't seduce anyone into thinking that. Nah, he just right. manages to make it something that you could half respectably sell to an audience. I think he's done ever fighting for a title or, you know, chasing the best in the sport. Like this was the end of that chapter, at least. It's full on twilight mode now. Use his star power, use his name. You could argue it's already been that for a while, but like, I don't want, ever want to see him rematch in Danny Garcia. Got my Donna coming back. Oh, stop that. No, that's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. All right. So from the after effects regarding Bud Crawford, Bob Arum suddenly stumbles in the ring and he's 87. God bless his heart. And we love him. And I will give him this one piece of defense. It didn't seem like he knew he was about to get interviewed by Bernardo Osuna, right? Osuna's interviewing Bud, asking him what's next. And to Bud's credit, he says, if the fans want Spence, I want Spence. Like, like, let's make this fight. I want this fight. Perfect answer by Bud. So then Bernardo turns around and goes, Bob, Bob. And Bob's response was like, what, what, what? Bob gave you one of those, like, for the first time. And you got to give him credit. He's 87, and he always nails it. This was a moment where, for a second, you're like, oh, my God, does Bob know where he is? Does he know what's going on? Should there be a live mic in front of him? This is like when, when people are dumb enough to have, like, 93-year-old three-year-old Bob Feller on to talk baseball and he accidentally drops the N-word and you're like, yeah, kind of saw that coming. Bob, the only problem here is he completely 
flipped the script. I don't know if you've been following Bob's quotes during the week, but he was actually kind of diplomatic. He was saying, look, when Terrence beats Khan, or if he does, first call I'm making is to Al Heyman. First call I'm making. And he was positive about it, Rafe. There was no Mr. Cancer. You got to call Mr. Cancer. You got to talk to Mr. Cancer. There was none of that, Rafe. But once that microphone post-fight, dude, it was like full-on heel turn. Let's go back. Boxing Cold War 2012 all over again. Uh, not only did he say this fight basically can't be made because of Al Heyman, he urged fans to boycott Al Heyman's fights until Heyman makes it happen. Rafe, there's a lot of issues with this. Number one, it's like the worst type of response if you actually want to make the fight happen. Number two, Bob has zero leverage. PBC has all the Walter Waits right now. Bob has no leverage. What the hell are you doing? Rafe, it screams to me that Bob really doesn't want it to happen or doesn't want it to happen now. So it's just let me, you know, poke him back. What the hell happened there, Rafe? What happened? How am I supposed to know? How are, How is anyone supposed to understand what is how calculated Bob Arum is at this point in time in his life and career? He is a, a well-aged specimen. And he does still like to, to toke on the reefer, Brian. I don't know exactly what his mind state was going into that ring. And yeah, so and the comments, I mean, you read the Keith Eidek boxing scene story about the day after Presser that he wanders into the garden, starts talking, starts like throwing out insane race cards left and right. It, it's, it's not good. Oh yeah. Well, he basically said that what that, uh, this fight won't happen because he's white. As a promoter, right? Well, yeah, he says that basically Al Heyman is going to tell Errol Spence, oh, don't, don't listen to what the white guys on the other side are saying. Just stick with me. I'll take care of it. Let's, let's keep it in the family. Um, and I, whatever, I don't know what that, what purpose that serves. What, if he believes it or not, I, I don't know why he necessarily believes it. He's worked with Al Heyman before when they had to do Mayweather, Pacquiao, and for a lot of other smaller fights. This is not a bridge that's never been crossed. It's just, but, but more importantly, it, there's no way that can help this situation. And before, and the two days before he's talking about, I'm calling out right away and saying, let's do it 50 50. We'll figure it all out. We'll do everything right down the middle. Well, shoot, that's a good idea. Why not? I think that's a pretty fair offer for, for these two fighters at this point in their careers. But to just flush it all down the toilet in those next two press con, I don't know, man. Yeah, cause, he, cause it's, it's, your, your, your normal reaction would be, even if you don't want to do this fight now for strategic reasons, you at least pull the Mayweather-Pacquiao card for five years and you lead people to believe that you do. You build up the fight by saying, look, the only fight that matters is Spencer Crawford. We want to make it happen. It's not easy to make it happen, but we're willing to talk. We're willing to do 50-50, which he did the next day. The next day he told reporters, I'm going to send an offer. We want it to be 50-50. And by the way, it should be 50-50. These are one of those times it should be. But the, his reaction leads you to believe one of two things. Either that there's a calculated reason why he doesn't want this fight and he's trying now to make some kind of weird move. Or two, let's have this conversation, Rafe, because sometimes you got to take the keys away from Grandpa. And Bob has been amazing. Like, Bob in his 80s has been so – has been a PR dream. He's lovable. He calls everyone out and rips them, but, like, in this fun way, Rafe. He'll rip – remember the time he ripped Dan Rayfield for that uh Macau fight in, in that Kevin Ioli interview? Revisit that collaboration. That was gangster right there. Um He just – is there any chance, though, 
like, because we don't know behind the scenes, is he making all the decisions? Is Todd running more of the show? Is Bob more of a Joe Paterno figurehead at this point? At some point, God, that is a rough comparison, man. <laughs> Rafe, at some point, could Grandpa, like, make the wrong decision publicly? And behind the scenes, we're like, oh, crap, Bob, that was the wrong way to do it. What are you doing? Maybe we should get the, him away from the microphone. Are, uh, like, am I being rude? Is that rude of me to offer that? At some point, naturally, this man's going to age and his mind is going to go a little south? Yeah, next thing you're going to be telling me Bernie's too old to run for president. All these ageists out here. Um Look, 87 is pretty old. Um, who am I to say that he can't do it? He does such a good job that, that you want to give him the benefit of the doubt. And obviously he's, he's, he's spoken. He's, he's explained how he's grown the business around him. It's not just him. It doesn't rely only on him. He relies on Todd DeBuff, his son-in-law and, and all the other people he's put in a top rank to, to, to handle that day to day and do a lot of that work for him and allow him to just be that figurehead, that beloved media figure who can still come out and deliver, you know, the one great privilege about being so old and experienced and a legend is you get that pass to say really inappropriate <laughs> things all the time and you get away with it and everyone is just like all right whatever well, you that's know, what i'm saying so like he's, he's he's seen some things to be honest podcasters like us we use that to our advantage right if we get offered bob aaron we're like oh my god yes because he may rip somebody he may tell jokes he may be talking about smoking a blunt and you're like oh my god bob's the best but at some point rafe just like how we love the violence in boxing but at some point that violence goes too far and we're like so you you think he should finish i don't think he should finish i just wonder you if think you it, it like one day we're gonna terrible. have him on here rafe and you're gonna be laughing and he's gonna be towing that line and then he's gonna go over that line and we're gonna feel bad for giving him that forum right just like when somebody dies in the ring we're like oh that was too far right <laughs> wow that 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 escalated quickly, yeah Brian. Dude, take that back editor <laughs> edit that out i love you bob you are the best all right here's my business question on bob's reaction right maybe maybe evan rakowski our friend on the aficionados podcast needs to handle this here's my conspiracy theory here rafe did you see what's happened with espn on the ufc side they are all in financially espn to the point where they have paid extra to now take over and handle the pay-per-view business what i mean by that is for mma now for ufc traditional cable companies no longer handle pay-per-view for ufc cards except for at restaurants bars public settings the only way you can buy a ufc pay-per-view is through espn plus now through the online streaming okay boxing side top rank although this was their first pay-per-view is not there yet you could buy con crawford traditionally or you could buy it like i did over the uh you know espnplus.com slash pay-per-view whatever it was is the reason why bob essentially threw a middle finger at the idea of spence crawford happening soon and seemed to put a wedge between it happening right because if you're al Heyman, if you're sam watson if you're those guys waking up the next morning and you're going al bob really said that wow f him right that's that's what that says is the future of ESPN's boxing pay-per-view also likely headed toward streaming only? Which would t- And the reason why that could be important, Rafe, is the wedge in boxing right now is the fact that DAZN is operating under a different bubble. They're saying we're killing pay-per-view. So in theory, Rafe, you can't have Joshua Wilder if DAZN's involved because DAZN and Fox or Showtime are in two separate businesses. So you can't do a joint DAZN and Fox pay-per-view because one's doing traditional pay-per-view, one's doing streaming. Is ESPN going to enter into that if 
they go the route that they've done of UFC handling all their pay-per-views on their own streaming network, network, not using traditional, are we, could we be in a future where the idea of an ESPN, Terrence Crawford, and a Fox Showtime, Errol Spence coming together Mayweather Pacquiao style cannot happen because one could potentially be going to streaming pay-per-views and not traditional. I know that was a lot of mess words and weirdness. Does that make any sense that Bob is sort of just like saying without saying we're not doing this anytime soon because of the financial structural business realities? I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I don't, I, I don't get this, nothing about the way that ESPN has handled the boxing and the MMA sides makes me think that they are treating the two different sports as the, you know, as, as the same. And I don't think they should. They're different businesses. The, the UFC is a much sort of, more contained, complete package, right? They, it is that, that's why that has been the advantage of MMA over boxing, at least as a product for all these years is that boxing is still, and however, it goes both ways. It kind of comes and goes in waves. Sometimes that's really good for the, for the UFC because it allows them to sell their entire product. They get better. They can bargain for better deals. It also allows the UFC to screw their fighters and pay them much worse than the, the top the top boxing you know the top boxers in the world and and uh you know hit them with this weird reebok endorsement deal that, that keeps them from making other money on the side you know they're, they're, but so so that's that bargaining power that unit that that the ufc sells itself as is is one thing boxing is 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 an amoeba it's all over the place it's constantly shit it can fit into any peg you need it for you want you want a pay-per-view product you want a broadcast tv product cool put it on fox you want to stream this stuff we got the zone boxing will give you whatever it want whatever you want at any time they will figure out a way to sell it to you it's it it, it it's like it's it's like an insurgency, you know. It just morphs into whatever it needs to be at any <laughs> given time. That's why Larry Merchant said boxing cannot die. You can't kill boxing. It's always it, it can't. It's just going to be there, figuring out ways to survive in all the dirty little cracks that exist in any system. That's boxing, right, and I don't think that. You ESPN just, is trying to turn Top Rank into a UFC product. All right. Well, you just hit it very macro, but let me hit you micro for a second. The reason why ESPN would pay the extra money to guarantee money to UFC for pay-per-views to take their pay-per-views off of the traditional uh, way of buying it is because when you put a pay-per-view on, you're automatically off the top paying somewhere between 40 and 50% to that distributor provider. for putting on the pay-per-view, to that provider, to whatever it is, uh, name whatever it used to be. What was it called? On Demand, all these other different things, okay? Right. If you do it streaming like ESPN's UFC pay-per-views are now, they're getting so much more money. It's the reason why, by the way, WWE took a gamble in 2014 and went full-on streaming network to get all the money. So I'm just saying... If Top Rank and ESPN decide to go that route and ESPN says, look, we want all the money, can you go back to traditional pay-per-view to share in the revenues to, to make a Crawford Spence happen? Once you no, go – if they commit to a different – yeah, if, they're, if they decide to commit to a totally different model, I don't see that happening. But I'm not sure that's the, the way they're going to treat the boxing product. And you know, ESPN is still for a long time – I mean look, Disney is, is clearly – Making a priority of growing the streaming business through now Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, which has been around for what, over a year now and, and has grown. They've done a great job of growing it from, you know, 
converting all the insider accounts to boxing the UFC, all the things they've done. It's been pretty successful. Um, but ESPN is, I think that they're, they still need to make money off of cable. They, they still do make money off of cable, even with people cutting the cord, even with subscriptions going down. That's still a lot of bread they bring in. And I don't think they totally want to walk away from that when boxing provides certain opportunities to do big pay-per-views. Um, I think maybe, and this is something that was interesting. Leonard Ellerby had some quotes after the fact that were much more sort of level-headed and moved on from the beef with Bob Arum. And we're like, then he just said, he leveled with them and said, look, right now, to be honest, most American sports fans don't know who Errol Spence or Terrence Crawford are on that outside of three or 400,000 hardcore boxing fans. And so we may need to marinate this. Nobody likes fans. Real fans don't like marinating because we know who they are. But for these guys to make the kind of money they deserve fighting each other to get that gigantic payday, they they got to become stars, and that may take a, a that that's going to take more time. Now, Bob Arum lighting his relationship, whatever his already bad relationship with the PBC on fire over the weekend. Seems like a, a made perhaps unnecessary way to postpone to to to, to uh, encourage that marination process, but uh, it may be part of what's going on here. All right, we spent a lot of time in the business. Let's move on to the mythical pound for pound update, Rafe. ESPN <laughs> seemed favorite. to ESPN seemed to not figure out week to week when it was time to promote Lomachenko the week before. He was their pound for pound king in terms of the broadcasters. And then when it was Bud Con time, it was Crawford who was back on top. Did Crawford's performance compared with Lomachenko's performance the week before against Krola change who right now you are demeaning and not demeaning, you are calling the number one fighter in the world? Who is your pound for pound king right now? Well, look, I think that, I think that Lomachenko's performance last week was more impressive than Crawford's against Amir Khan. I just, Lomachenko looked amazing. And now Krola is made to order, right? But still, god damn, Lomachenko looked good. I mean, by God, he looked good. Um, but I'm still, I'm a Crawford guy. I think, I, I don't, I, the, the evidence, if you're, if you're a resume guy, if you're a person who really thinks that a fighter has to have proven it, has to have the, 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 the right wins, have beaten a lot of former champions, all that stuff, you're, then Lomachenko is your pick. You gotta go with Lomachenko. If you allow yourself to have that intuition, that, that eye test thing, then you can go in different directions. And for me, I'm, I, before, before the Lomachenko fight, I favored Crawford. And I still favor Crawford, even though I think Lomachenko's win over Krola was more impressive than Crawford's over Khan. I just think Crawford is that guy. I think he's got something even different among a, a crop of really great fighters right now, which includes Vasily Lomachenko, Errol Spence, Canelo, whatever's left of Triple G, uh, SSR, Inoue, all these guys. Crawford just has something, man, that I, I, I believe in. Yeah, we asked Al Bundy his thoughts on who the pound for pound king should be. Uh, the Russian, I think, is is more to my liking. I, I okay. do still have to agree with now, him. It's really close right now, but I'm still going to lean to the Russian-Ukrainian Vasily Lomachenko just barely, just barely, and it's more on Bud still needs a little bit more on that resume. Yet, if you're going to be Bud – you're going to go with the eye test and the idea of if they were in the same weight class and they fought, would you favor Bud? Cause he's got more power in the end and he's, and he's not as creative as Loma, but he's certainly the most creative Walter Wade out there and the most sort of artistic. Let me adjust on the fly. Let me switch stances. I mean, they're calling him 
Did you hear Max Kellerman say he's the best switch hitter since Mar- Marvin Hagler and Mickey Mantle? I, I was going to say, is you going to say like a uh, baseball player here? I, there aren't too many. I, I can't, yeah, other than say Marvin Hagler. I, who else are the, the renowned switch hitters? Yeah. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, all right. Hey, okay. Uh, hey, let's roll on out of here. That debate is fine. And by the way, that's great marketing for ESPN to have both Lomachenko and Crawford and be able to constantly do this. Who's the best in the world? We got the two best fighters. You know, just like DeZone's putting out there, we got AJ and Canelo. We got the two most important fighters. It's it's interesting, the, the lay of the land at the moment. Before we break down the uh, undercard quickly here and what else we saw this week, hey, let's pause for a minute to hear from a word from our friends and sponsors. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. All right, Rafe, and we're back. Let's quickly go through the undercard. Teofimo Lopez got the the showcase opportunity against Finland's Edis Totley. And like I predicted, Rafe, it would be difficult, yet he would make, he would find his moment and get the spectacular KO, and he did, Rafe, and it was difficult, because very early on, Totley, the light-hitting boxer, was there to survive once he felt Teo's power, but Teo still found that hole, drilled him with a body shot, fifth round KO. Rafe, we can't hold this guy back. He's ready, Raphael. He's ready. For what? The bigs. The bigs. All the bigs, Rafe. Do you notice though, by the way, for all that talk from Lopez and his father coming in about wanting to fight Loma, afterwards they didn't mention Loma once. Were you surprised by that? A little bit. Well, I, they, they're doing some weird thing where they're no-selling him. Remember last week when Teofimo Lopez showed up at the fight at Staples Center and and decided not to watch the entire uh, Vasily Lomachenko Krola fight. He just sat there and looked at. And his they phone claim the whole he never time, looked and then up he had once. An interview. And he's like, I didn't watch a fight. I don't care. I, you know, I have so many disrespectful things to say about that. Um, yeah, I don't look. I, I kind of I, I enjoyed the clip of uh, of Vasily Lomachenko. In fact, I love new. I love. It's not exactly new. Lomachenko's always had a little bit of this in him, but like he's turned. Lomachenko has turned the dismissive up to the max in his in his commentary now. And they played that little clip during I was during the first round of, of the Teofimo fight where. Lomachenko is like, who is this Teofimo? Why is everyone talk Teofimo Lopez? Is is some Thailand Honduras guy? Some Honduran guy? He he has not fought five people. He is not a name in. He fights guys who just come into a boxing gym. Uh, it it was great. And and you know what? He's more right than he is not. Teofimo Lopez has still not fought a person who tried to fight back against him. Stop let it, him, Magdaleno. Let him, let him get in there against Richard Kami. Let him get in there against Robert Easter. Let him get in there against another good lightweight. He, it ain't happened yet. Edis Totley, well, he was a former European champion? I mean, get out of here. 
No, you're you're not wrong on that. And and we he looks great, look, but like uh, two months got ago, got a lot of proving left to do. During, after his last fight, or after he knocked out Rock Hard Mighty with one punch, we were like, we don't want a Fernando Vargas situation. We don't want a situation where a guy's 21 and he looks so great that you throw him in there with unbeaten prime Felix Trinidad, and you just go, look, I don't know if he's ready or not, but I need to see what happens because sometimes guys will go out on their shield and stunt their growth. I just found it interesting. I thought the pre-fight package they did on. Lopez and his father was brilliantly done by ESPN and it really, and it had Max sitting at the dinner table with, with uh, Teo and it really put over how confident, how bold and the fact that this could be a special all time talent in Teo. It could not be at the same time. We don't know yet, but I just found it interesting for all the talk about Loma coming in afterwards. It was more about Richard Kami. It was more about let's take a step back. Found that interesting, Rafe. Found that interesting. Still, he impressed with Edis Totley. There's nothing you can say bad about his game, Rafe. Max nailed it. He's nope. got that quick twitch, quick, quick twitch fiber down. He can box a little bit and he, man, he hits hard for this division. I mean, a lot of guys hit hard at lightweight. Do they carry the power up? We'll find out, but he hits that Spanish guy, Rafe. He hits hard. I mean, he, he has an explosiveness that really, really pops off the screen when you watch him fight and, and also in person, of course. Um, Brian, I actually want, let me flip it on you a little bit though. Is Lomachenko's dismissiveness a defensive tactic? Is he saying he doesn't need to fight this guy who hasn't fought anyone because maybe he sees something. He's like, oh, that guy, he, he's got some, some real juice. I think it's part of it, to be honest. I think it's part of the, it's the whole idea of, we don't know how great he is, Rafe, because every time he's going to step up, he steps up in leaps and bounds. So I think with Lomachenko, it's that same thing. It's like in his head, okay, I can outcraft this guy, I can dance around him, but he's exp he doesn't just have power. He has explosive power that's creative and well-timed and can kind of come out of nowhere with an uppercut at close range. You're like, whoa, I wonder if Loma, too, is sort of, yeah, sort of just going, okay, okay, uh, yeah. Um, like, this guy hasn't fought anyone yet, and, and maybe I shouldn't be the first one. It's, it's, look, Top Rank has reloaded very quickly. At the beginning of this ESPN relationship, Rafe, we were like, okay, they've got maybe the two best pound for pound names, but who else they got? Against who? Against who? Rafe, they've reloaded with these prospects. And Saturday night, the, 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 the main thing you can say about this pay-per-view, whether you were entertained by Con Crawford and that justified the $70 or not, they're guys who have next are looking damn good. And Top Rank's matchmaking is always brilliant. But they're ready to reload quick now on the ESPN level. They're really ready. They got fighters you need to see every time, Rafe. Yeah, I mean, certainly you would say that about Teofimo Lopez, Shakur Stevenson well, at this point. Let's hope he does not face any uh, long-term legal difficulties given his, you know, beating up a – civilian in a parking lot what is wrong i'm sorry i, I, I talked I, I shouldn't dwell on that i sat down by the way people were ripping espn i'm going to give espn credit they 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 brought that up they handled it on the air they put a full screen with the timeline of when he got arrested when the video came out they even at, they even took andre ward his co-manager off of the broadcast and kind of pushed andre and we're like look you know what what happens next now with your fighter with, with, with this type of negativity i thought they handled it well right did they show the video no no, no. 
Oh, well, in well, that case, I mean, they didn't, they, they, they held back a little bit then. All right. Make that money player. Um, let's talk about Shakur. I sat down with him in an interview that never saw the light of the day due to a technical difficulty. Rafe, he was fantastic in that interview. Called out Tank Davis, called out Ryan Garcia, called out everyone, called out Freddie Roach. I mean, he was just calling people out. He, he called out Freddie Roach? Well, Freddie Roach was like, if Christopher Diaz can't beat a guy with 10 pro fights, then maybe, maybe he should retire. Is basically what Freddie Roach said. So, he really, Shakur really laid out finish. the fact that Bob, he said specifically, Bob Arum told him, do not step up to this level against Christopher Diaz. We're not sure that you're ready. This is a, whatever, you know, this is a too big of a gamble. I respect how much Shakur believes in his ability. He's just 21, doesn't have a lot of pop, but you saw the proof in the pudding, Rafe. And in that interview I did with him that you'll never hear, he was like so damn confident, like insanely confident, Rafe. And he talked about how him and Crawford are like a comedic duo. Like they're like best buds and they spar a lot. And he says he gets moments against Bud Crawford when they're sparring. Deal with that. Do with that what you might. But Rafe, I was very, very impressed. Yeah, the last two rounds are pretty boring and he fought from distance. But he was the bigger man, it seemed, against Christopher Diaz. And Rafe, he's, he's got special skill. Well, I don't know about when Tim Bradley coming out and saying he'll be every 126 tomorrow. I don't know about that. I'd love to find that out. Him against Oscar Valdez, Rafe, that could be spectacular. I mean, Carl Frampton just signed a fight with top rank. He wants Warrington, too. He keeps calling out Warrington. Rafe, Shakur has cocky balls. <laughs> yes, he does. Mm-mm, Rafe, good. we are not a potty. We are not a potty humor podcast. All right, can you get serious for a second, please? Look, look he really impressed me with his speed, with his angles, with his slickness, with his confidence. I'm just saying, Rafe, they have something here where the last few steps up the ladder, I was sort of like, how good is this guy really, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it, that, that, that's what was so impressive about this, because this was, you know, Christopher Diaz, one loss, was had a, had a, you know, kind of a paper title last year, but still was fighting at a world-class level, and... Look, Stevenson just went in and washed him. Just, Diaz was never in that fight. Could had I, I didn't see Diaz having really any moments of success. You know, he couldn't he couldn't close the distance. He couldn't get inside. Uh, he couldn't get he couldn't. He, he, Stevenson was too elusive for him. Midway through the fight, Stevenson starts really, really just lighten him up with combinations. It wasn't a really impressive performance. It was, it made you think, wow, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing him in against some of these Warrington championship type level fights, even though at just 10 fights, you would think, hmm, this is not time yet. He's, he's, he's pushing. These guys are making that case for themselves. Rafe, do you like afterwards the attempt at putting out sort of a villainous money may? persona in the post-fight interview saying I'm the next Floyd Mayweather I'm the next Sugar Ray Leonard like he's going for it Rafe he's cocky as all hell but there's it's sort of underwritten by a likability I mean he he has a very young face there's sort of this like young kid element to it Uh, I'm not turned off by him is really what I'm saying I'm in fact I'm I'm turned on by him I I actually have been watching the video of him beating up civilians in parking lots and just getting just Fully engorged, just nonstop. He, uh, he's amazing. That, that baby face while he's punching guys who are on the ground. I love it. Folks, this is the kind of fight that's going to stop traffic. Literally, literally, it did, Rafe. That fight in the parking garage, literally, it stopped <laughs> traffic. All right. Yes, Danny has a stick. Also on that pay-per-view card, Felix Verdejo 
gets the decision win over Brian Vasquez. Rafe, I- I've seen experts like Dan Rayfield score that eight rounds to two. I don't know what fight they were watching, Rafe. I thought Vasquez won that fight. I thought Verdejo looked average and human, and they nailed it on the broadcast. There's no variety to what he does. He just comes forward one, two, the same thing. Rafe, there's something wrong here. This was basically pitched on the air as top rank saying, this is your last chance, Felix, to be something. I interviewed Felix last week. He's cocky, but he's almost like, like he almost just no-sells the motorcycle accident. He no-sells the fact that he admits a couple years ago he wasn't doing outside the ring the things he should have done. Success, you know, prospectness got to his head. Rafe, I don't see a future star here anymore. I see a guy, you know what I see? Remember those dudes in high school? that were like the star linebacker on the football team and they were like just slamming top chicks and they were like could get arrested and get the charges taken off and they could like do any drug and show up the next day and still get good grades and still score four touchdowns in a game. And here's the deal, Rafe. They were way cooler than me at 17. But by like 20, they're working third shift at the grocery store, Rafe. They're changing my oil. You know what I'm saying, Rafe? See me now, right? Know my name now. Felix Rodejo was slaying chicks in high school, Rave. Right now, he doesn't look like the guy anymore. I I would just say that maybe he was a little overrated as a prospect. I mean, I we saw him beat up that crazy Thai guy, that one Thailand guy in uh, in Macau on one of those Manny undercards. Really entertaining fight. I love whoever that Thai guy was. He was hilarious. Remember, he was sticking his tongue out at Verdejo the whole time. Was getting the crap beaten out of him. I still love that. That's still, that's my favorite Felix Verdejo fight. And that was probably his, that may have been his best moment. Look, it, it happens. Prospects don't pan out for whatever reason. Maybe they weren't as talented as they thought they were. Maybe they screwed up and, and got lost along the way. It happens. And it seems to have happened with Verdejo. He ain't, he ain't coming back to be a great fighter. He ain't. So at this point, if you're top rank, and by the way, you, I just nailed it. It ain't. Build him up. And, and it won't. And you not, and you ain't. Felix, very handsome man still, but he ain't. So, Rafe, if you're top rank, do you build up Teofimo Lopez versus Felix Verdejo at 135 and get your boy sent to hell? Sure, build him up and cash him out. All right. Let me lick you up. Let me cash you out. Yeah. Turn around, babe. Let me lick you all around. Oh, just don't ask what's on the USB stick. Yeah. Somebody slipped me a, a Jimmy. All right. Uh, Rafe, um, DSG's back and he's back with a bang. Fox, by the way, shout out to Fox for ending this card before any of the good top rank fights really went off. Like this was good timing on Saturday night. The 8 p.m. start that was a 5 p.m. Pacific time start at the House of Hardcore Dignity Health Sports Park. DSG was back, Rafe. He knocked down Adrian Granados three times, just manhandled him to get the impressive TKO win. I think it was sixth round around there. And here's the deal, sort of under the radar. DSG realized following the loss to Porter that he was fading a little bit late, that maybe with all the things that come with being the swag champ, he was living a little bit off reputation. So for this camp, he brought in a new nutritionist. You see, he brought in uh, uh, Briscoe for the first time with the goatee. He brought. In- I did see Briscoe in the corner. He- I I always love to see the Briscoe. Hey, you know, in case in case Angel needs to hear those words, you know, <laughs> Poppy, I gotta stop it. He's gonna die. Your son's gonna die in there. Um, he revamped his conditioning and nutrition. Rafe, he looked like a million dollars. The one thing you could say about Adrian Granados, 
taught, the, the guy has balls. He has never been stopped. He always pushes you to the limit. There was no limit here, Rafe. The limit was the end of Danny's left hook, the finishing punch. Rafe, he looked fan friggin' tastic. Was it a matchup? He was supposed to win, yes. But to be honest, he was supposed to win that by decision because Granados is tough. He can do a couple things. All Granados could do was run into those punches, Rafe. I'm really, really impressed. I'm not playing the PBC line here. I was a hundred percent impressed by Danny Garcia now saying, look, I'm ready. Manny, Errol, Porter, Keith, who wants me? I'm ready. I was also very impressed. I did think that Danny Garcia looked great in that fight. I think we may be giving Adrian Granados a little bit too much credit here. What, what is this reputation really based on? He was the guy who showed up and hung in there against Adrian Broner and Sean Porter in get back fights when, which both of them didn't really seem to take that seriously. So he stopped Amir Ma- I, the, Imam. That's true. He did that. And, and then Jose Ramirez, uh, Jose Ramirez ended up beating Amir Imam too. Um, I just don't, uh, you look at, look, pull up, pull up that box rec for Adrian Granados. He's fighting like three and 11 guys in between there to, to rack up wins. He is, he is a little bit of smoke and mirrors there. And it was, it, it, it's, it's a thing where, Against guys like Broner and Porter, Porter who doesn't have great power, Broner who is just not active enough and, and doesn't really want to win a fight. He'll just take it if he can. Um, wow, you're straight up I see how he called Granado C-level trash. That's where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah, he was tailor, maybe he's B-level trash, but he, again, he was tailor-made for Danny Garcia is oh, what God, I'm saying. you were right. In 2018 and in September, he beat a guy who was 3-11 and 2? Good see? God. I mean, yeah. he's padding that record. He looks um, like, that, I, he by was, the way, he looks in the ring visually, not, not style and ability, but visually. Doesn't he sort of look like a poor man's Oscar De La Hoya? Just visually? Like a young Oscar? I don't, I don't know why. He, he's, 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 he's too thick. Oscar is, is lanky. Right, uh, Oscar was a freak though, as Wash Gill told us. But, uh, look, Rafe, this was, this accomplished what it was supposed to, which was put Danny Garcia on Fox and rev the engine for a big welterweight bout. I'm just saying every punch was landing. I mean, he was, yeah. he was very, much more aggressive than normal DSG. Yeah. And it was, and it was fun, man. It was a really, it was just a fun ass, ass whooping to watch. Cause when, when Danny is, when Danny can't miss, when he is just dialed in with that overhand, right. And then just all of that first, that first left hook knockdown was, that was the most beautiful left hook knockdown in that boxing ring, in that arena since Nonito Donaire. Boom! Jeffrey Mathabula. Just, I mean, that, wow, it, that, that was a work of art. Was that the main event of Rio Salvarado 1? Or was that its own main event? No, that unfortunately was, uh, Nonito versus, uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, Takahata. Some Japanese guy? I'm sorry. Some Japanese um, Toshiaki Nishioka. Yes. 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 Thank you. Uh, yeah, remember Lamps was in the crowd for that because it wasn't a HBO World Championship boxing fight? That was weird. All right. Boxing uh, after dark, baby. Rafe, uh, where are you going next? If you're the PBC matchmaker, where are you going next with DSG? Because it doesn't seem like Floyd's coming back as we got fooled by that ridiculous announcement. So do you do Manny Thurman and what? 
Oh, I forgot. Uh, well, there's been some talk about maybe allowing Danny to cross the street and fight Terrence Crawford. Could we, could oh, we see let's that? Hit that. Could we, let's could hit we, that. Could we allow that to happen? Because I've seen people making this case online. I believe it was our guy, Evan Rakowski. Maybe Kurt Emhoff has also said it that there's, with all of the people, with all the great Walter Waits in the stable at PBC, why not take a chance with one of them? Why not let one of them go out there and really Try and win this fight against Terrence Crawford because if you do, if, if you, you would go in as an underdog, but if somebody like Danny Garcia, who would be the best Walter weight that Terrence Crawford has faced, if Danny Garcia goes in and wins that, then all of a sudden PBC is holding all the gold in that division and, and, and can really run the table, make gigantic fights all on their own. I mean, why not? Why not use that wealth of talent in the division to allow one of these guys to get that shot and and prove that they are that good? So, Bob, another kind of odd comment on Sunday. Bob Arum said, I don't want the, Terrence not going to fight Danny Garcia. Bob basically says Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter are not on the level. The only fight to make that's on the level of Bud is Spence. So, Bob, straight up poo-pooed the idea, which, again, wouldn't you think he should be like, wow, Danny Garcia looked great on Saturday. He could really give... Terrence Crawford a challenge. Let's make that fight. What if we send PBC five million? Will they make that fight? We'll put it on ESPN pay per view. Just weird responses from Bob, which by the way, because a lot of people are tweeting me and it makes sense. Who the hell are you going to match Crawford with next, Rafe? Not Besputin. Not one of my Mexicans. One of my Ukrainians. Not a mean machine. Not anyone. Um, Kel Brook? You think the whole Kel Brook? He was in the crowd. Honestly, honestly, I, I, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I, I mean, Kel Brook hasn't looked good uh, since losing to Errol Spence. He fought once or twice. He's fought. Oh, he went up to fifty four and back down again. Uh, he hasn't looked good, but still, I could see him getting, getting, you know, getting his act together for a big fight. And he is a, he's a legit talent and. Outside of the Errol Spence loss, oh well, and the Triple G loss, eek. oh well, yeah. yeah, he's he's been through some rough. He's rough made the nights. order, but Bud's gonna stop him late, and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a win though that we we critically give him credit for, I think, as well it's as a, look, it's a more legit fight than Amir Khan was. Yes, um, so if if they don't let a, if PBC does not allow one of their big name Walter Waits across the street, somebody's gonna be left out because if they do Pacquiao Thurman then Spence will have to fight either Porter or Danny Garcia. Somebody's going to be left out in 2019. It's going to be interesting to see whom. Is da- is Danny, because he's a bigger star than Porter, and because Porter has a title and Danny doesn't, do you do Spence DSG on pay-per-view? If they want to do it, I mean, shoot, I, look, if I can if I can avoid that, that Porter-Spence fight, I mean, I love your daddy, Sean Porter, but I like would that? much rather see Danny Garcia in that fight. I don't care if there's another belt in it with, with Sean Porter. Wow, you like that? You don't think Sean Porter has any chance because of the lack of power? That is correct. Interesting, interesting way to look at it. All right, Rafe, we're deep into the show. We got to keep going. I've talked too much about cable companies and crap. Uh, on this undercard, uh, Andrew Ruiz Jr. in his PBC debut stops some Russian guy. By the way, who was that Russian guy? Was it Dimitrenko? Yeah, he Alexander. Like trash, bro, he looked like trash in there. Andy Ruiz Jr. was still fat. Much new uh, <laughs> tattoo on Titi he had, Rafe. A lot more, uh, <laughs> lot more going on there. Uh, were, were tattoo you on Titi saying Eje. <laughs> I mean, he let his hands go, but the craziness is how this story connects with the big baby failure. He let the test. breast fly, baby. Yeah, that we'll get to. And Andy Ruiz Jr. threw his name big time into the AJ sweepstakes after this victory and claims he beat Joseph Parker, maybe even better 
than Joshua did when Joshua unified belts in that boring decision. Interesting. What, what's your take on Ruiz with PBC? And how is he now, because he's PBC, going to cross the street back to the zone and fight AJ? I, look, I, I feel like if Andy Ruiz gets a shot at that, they, they, they gotta let him do that. That's, that's, that would be mal, that would be outright malfeasance to have Andy Ruiz with a shot at that fight and that money and then not let him take it because it was with the zone. He, I don't, I, I can't imagine that he is that valuable to the PBC's plans at, with Fox and with Showtime that, that he's not allowed to go take that opportunity. That, like, that, that we, people were wondering if it was, uh, good management to, to counsel Deontay Wilder away from those opportunities. Well, it would be crazy to, to, to keep Andy Ruiz if, if he gets that call. Um, I think that it's not, the worst fight. I mean, Ruiz is a talented guy. The thing I would be worried about there is that if you, you almost want to like make an agreement with AJ to carry him a few rounds or something, because yeah, we'll just cheat. We'll just lie and steal and cheat. That's great. I just mean like if, if that, if AJ blows him out in one round or something like that, it will look so bad. Like it will be cause, cause then people who don't know anything about Ruiz that he actually, you know, he has nice hand speed. He's a good boxer. He's, he, he fought on even terms with Joseph Parker when Joseph Parker was an undefeated champion. But the average fan who's just, you know, paying 20 bucks for DAZN to watch this random heavyweight fight at the garden may not know that. And they're going to be like, who is this fat tomato can they got in here? Like, so you got to make that fight look respectable if yeah. it happens. I, Ruiz might be good enough to do it on the merits, but you, you I would want a little insurance. Right after the fight, before Ruiz kind of woke up to the idea that he can make a ton of money against Joshua last minute, he was calling out Adam Konachki. Could you imagine that fight? You shouldn't beat my man with titties. Come on, man. You got him. Somebody's getting beat by a man with titties in that one. And by the way, Dwyer loves the hand speed of both. I could play you 10 Dwyer sound drops on how much he loves Andy Ruiz. Um, also on that PBC card in Carson, Brandon Figueroa wins a title at, I believe, uh, is it Junior Feather? Or was it Bantam? I, I think he's 122. Yeah, Junior Feather. That would be Junior Feather, Against some yeah. guy you never heard of, stopped him. He did the Figueroa thing, which is throw a million punches and get up in your ass the whole day. He's a good Yeah, but he's boy. in shape. He's got a little craft. He's got he's got very pretty eyes. He's got a nice-looking girlfriend. I'm in on this guy. That I'm all in on the, on the heartbreaker. That was his sister. Did you see that whole development? From oh, that was his sister? From ringside, they kept showing that late A. That was his sister, who's also his strength coach revisit her Instagram collaborations. Wow, Rafe, that might be a, we might have to get old man Nigel Collins onto that. I know he loves uh, Kel Brooks, Chocolate Brownie Sister, but you gotta get on, on, on this train. Wow. You know what I'm saying? It's just all, all forms of inappropriate. Oh. Yeah, well, that's a good looking family. You know, what happened to Omar? Well. Um, into zone over the weekend from the Great Britain. The white rhino, Dave Allen, stopped that absolute weirdo, Lucas Brown, but he stopped him to the butt. Here, I'll give the rhino credit. He has not looked great lately. He got in shape for this main event. He looked good. He stops him to the body with a vicious uh hook. And then afterwards, did you see that great tweet by Darren Barker saying, I would have gotten up from that? Damn right. He had no business getting up, but he probably would have, Rafe. Look, Darren Barker, I would believe there's no body shot in the world that can keep him down after he got up from what Wash Gill put on him in that round.
I love it. I love it. Uh, why isn't the white rhino being the last minute AJ guy? Wouldn't that? Well, then again, you'd have to pull he's, that fight out of MSG. He's so not good, man. He's just, he, he's a lovable guy, but he just doesn't belong in that fight. Eddie Hearn has also said that he would prefer to get an American in there to fight AJ in the U.S. for that debut, which leaves not great choices. You know what? I, we can talk about that for a minute. Well, we're going right it's into the, let's pretty, transition right into the latest news, Rafe. And that's the lead oh, story, good. Big Baby Gate, and the idea of who the hell is Anthony Joshua going to fight on June 1st. Keep going where you were going. Well, what I was going to say is that it is really disappointing, Brian, all of the top name heavyweights who are pulling, who are jacking out of that opportunity and for the, and the, and, and saying things like it's not enough time, six, seven weeks is not enough time to prepare for this fight. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for some of these guys. Adam Kownatsky may never get that a shot this good again. He might get a shot at Wilder, maybe, but that's less money than he would make probably against AJ. Same thing for Luis Ortiz. Ortiz may not get another shot at Wilder. Wilder probably doesn't is not going to be in any rush to give him that shot. These guys no, are no, out no, here no, saying not enough wrong. time. You know what I hear when they say not enough time? They're saying not enough time, not not to train and get into shape for a, a big heavyweight fight, but not enough time to cycle off of what I'm on right now. Right, dude, there is so much. They're all on the, the Q14, 16, 17, yes. whatever big baby was on, the, the HT182 graphic all, calculator. Yeah. Rafe, so here's the thing, Rafe. That's a cynical take, but I think you might be right on. It's interesting how many people are turning down, but I think you're wrong on this part. So the big, look, we're getting into big baby in a second. He failed for every possible drug. We can't do any more drugs because you've did them all. We got to wait till you die and smoke your ashes, big baby. <laughs> but here's the deal. We, we, we read the reports. And by the way, Steven Espinosa of Showtime had defiantly reputed a lot of these reports on Twitter and got into a lot of Twitter battles. But it seemed to be that Luis Ortiz was offered a ton of money to be the last minute replacement against AJ on June 1st into zone and was either told by PBC or offered a large amount of millions by PBC to say no, which, and then there was some people on Twitter saying Luis Ortiz just said no, because like you mentioned, it wasn't enough time to turn around and take the fight. Um, I think this is what's happening, Rafe. I don't have inside sources, but here's the deal. If you're PBC and Wilder and you can't make Joshua or Fury fights for a while or at all, you have very limited options of fights people care about. A rematch against Luis Ortiz might actually be one of the biggest options you care about. And here's one thing you're missing. Deontay Wilder loves him some Luis Ortiz, the man, from the fact that they both had problems with their daughter's health. They, he loves him as a father that I think he would give him the payday and be welcome to that. And I think they could sell it from the idea of Luis Ortiz should have been winning on the cards. The judges screwed him. But he should have been leading on the cards at the time of the stoppage against Wilder, right? That was a competitive fight. I think that's really the biggest fight PBC can make for Wilder over the next year. Not Konachki, not Boobs Brazil. Well, a lot of guys with boobs, by the way. Um, Luis Ortiz is probably the best in-house fight you can make. So if any of that is true with PBC saying, hey, Luis, don't take that, bro. We'll cycle you a couple million not to take it. I wouldn't doubt it, Rafe. It's 2019, Brian. A, heavyweight, a lot of heavyweight boxers have titties. Yeah, that is true. Uh, Rafe, do you think there's any idea if you're PBC, if you're Al Heyman, would you yeah. rather one of your guys, like even Andy Ruiz, go roll the dice against AJ for, like you're saying, the, the idea of a big upset could take those three belts back over to Showtime and do a unification with Wilder, although really it's not that easy because whoever would upset AJ would have to do the rematch on the zone and would probably lose the rematch anyway. But let's just say in theory, 
Or if you're Al Heyman, do you want AJ to stay undefeated for a long time so you can pull him away from the zone? So the idea of a super fight with Wilder would be May, you know, Mayweather Pacquiao level. Yeah, there is something going on here where I suspect that the, the reticence of a lot of the PBC affiliated fighters to, to take this opportunity to step in and face AJ right now may have something to do with, um, PBC, Showtime, Fox, ESPN even wanting to maybe gang up a little bit and keep DAZN on the outs as much as possible. DAZN had something going here with AJ and Miller, which was somehow by somehow was looking like it was going to be the best heavyweight fight in the first half of 2019, which, you know, starting at the beginning of the year, you would have said F no, then against over my dead body. Somehow they had lucked into that, that actually working out for them. Now it's all falling apart. And this is in the network wars in the streaming versus linear wars. This is a chance for them to kick the zone while while they are down and not give them a chance to save that date and have it look like crap and maybe hurt the subscriptions whatever bump they were expecting to get or for all those people they were expecting hey we got them to sign up for the Canelo fight and they're going to stay on for the AJ fight well maybe now those those fans don't stay on for the for the for the, for the AJ fight and the zone doesn't keep as many subscriptions uh and that's a shame it's a shame that that the that kind of like sort of Machiavellian business war strategy chessboard stuff is determining the quality of yeah. fights we see in such an obvious way uh, that, that you can read the tea leaves like that. It shouldn't be that way. And you would think that some fighter would just say, F it, I want this fight. Give it to me or else there's going to be problems down the road because this is this is my shot. Uh, but that money, Claire. Yeah, everybody got to eat, baby. But it, so far, people are holding the line, and and it's it, and Dazone might be stuck holding the bag with AJ versus wow. a, a a bag of dog shite. Yeah, I mean, who who are the? Uh, I got a lot to talk about on this topic. Wow, we're gonna go. We got a long show today. It is what it is. Um, the names that you see floating out now: Andy Ruiz joins the mix. Luis Ortiz is in there, but look, he's not going to take it. I don't think he's going to take it. So there's some crap names. There's that American cruiserweight who has one loss, Michael Hunter, who lost to Michael Usyk, Hunter lost to Usyk on HBO a couple years back. Look, that's not a fight. You know, there's some there's two guys you never heard of in that mix. There's a Manuel Char. If you're the zone, Rafe, how do you salvage this? I, I mean, they, they can't get. I heard Char. They can't even get because he's not been enrolled in Vada. Like that's they're talking uh, about. That's how messed up. The sport is that Eddie Hearn is like the priority in finding a replacement is just getting someone who has been enrolled in VADA for the last few months because it's just the assumption that if he hasn't been, the moment that they go test him, the moment they stick a needle in him, he's going to start squirting HGH out. Oh, God, that's disgusting. Um, There was a headline in the midst of this that Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Sport have agreed to a co-promotional deal with Murat Gassiev, the slugging cruiserweight from Russia. I don't like cameras, interview. I like training and fighting. Rafe, he's a simple man, as we know. I thought this was going to fix everything, right? Gassiev comes in with the resume, the former cruiserweight champion. You put him in there. He's 6'4". You put him in there against AJ, everybody wins. That is why is that off the table? Has that it's been not, no discussed one's talking seriously about it. at all? I don't think anyone's talking about it. I think instead they want to, you know, 
slow build him and, and, and make him a thing and probably make him more of a long-term candidate. But it just feels like this June 1st car, like I don't even want to go to it. I live two hours away. I don't even want to go to it now, Rafe. I, I don't, you know, like what, it's going to be him blowing somebody away. I wish it could be Luis Ortiz last minute. I wish it could be somebody with a pulse. If it's Ruiz, eh, whatever. I mean, we know how it's going to end. Uh, Dwyer's got a take, by the way, on the new heavyweight meth. Now I understand. In the real world, we hear that a guy's been offered millions of dollars or pounds for a fight. And if we were in his shoes and they said, yes, I'll give you two million pounds for the fight, before the sentence is over, we would say, hey, I'll take that. You know, we'd be thinking, oh, my goodness, this could pay for a lot of vacations. Right? Junior's really going to private school now, right? <laughs> but these boxers understand. That there's something called a gate. There's something called television money. Mm. Right? Boxers understand that they're in a position to make big money. Make that. And might not be in that position if they get destroyed by the heavyweight champ in a fight for less than market value. So he's saying if you take this fight at the last minute against AJ and you take lesser money then waiting around and keeping your record as puffy as it could be to get more money to face AJ down the road. Is that really what Dwyer's saying? He's saying make that money player, right? He is definitely saying that. Um, and he's saying that, you know, Junior could really go to private school now. Well, it's a, a life-changing a, thing for him. Rafe, if Dwyer was a real boxing fan and he got that call to make that life-changing money, he would go back to Campbell, California. He would turn back the lights on at Hooters. Great ways, great place to watch a Canelo fight, by the way. You know what happens next, right? Right? He would oh, yeah. do that, oh, Rafe, yeah. to, to serve those boxing fans in that area, to make that a service they still have. By the way, a lot of Bay Area boxing fans tweeting at me and saying, I concur. Dwyer's right on. Great place to watch a fight, right? <laughs> the amount of the amount of people who are like legitimately upset that the the Hooters in Campbell, California is no longer there to serve their pay per view needs is is really eye opening. It, it really meant something to the community. But Rafe, if we get anyone else of the names that we're hearing, this is what this fight's going to end up looking like. In my opinion, he's a sacrificial. Any, that's all we're going to see. But let's get into the big baby element real quick. Let's clown on this clown. Uh, Jarrell Miller first pops for an illegal drug, comes out and says, I 100% absolutely have no idea how this entered my system. I did not kiss that woman. I did not have relations with that drug. Let me get my B-side tested, even though no one's B-side ever bails them out. Then, Rafe, we find out. He did EPO and failed the second test. Then we find out there's a third test out there for some other drugs we never heard of. The first drug, like I mentioned, was like GHB 1715. Well, he, all right, all right. He had HGH, EPO, and then the, the GB said that the, the GHB is what Martin Murray yes. was taking. That's the party drug. I wish I That's had that sound one. ready. Yes, yes. You sent me that sound. <laughs> By the way, yeah, Martin Murray, given the full details of that time he got arrested, which means he can't fight in the U.S., he drank a full bottle of GHB and went on a 24-hour bender of just Robin Fuchs. Wow. Street Robin. I got, I got nabbed for Street Robin. Wow. I couldn't, I didn't take the sound because it's so hard to understand what he's saying. He's got some weird, where is he from again? He's got a weird ass, uh, I don't know. I don't know where in the UK that's from, but it, you, you cannot listen to that on uh, accelerated speed on a podcast. It will not make any sense. Yes. Yes, it will. Um, by the way, this whole, this, I'm so brave. What do we say about Big Baby? I mean, it's not just like 
this was his biggest opportunity and he took a drug to cut weight or he just rolled the dice and took the HGH and hope he didn't get caught. Rafe, he took everything. And by the way, if you read on EPO, the, the, the dangers and the, in the, uh, the, uh, what could happen to your body by, no, was it EPO or was it one of the other drugs he took? One of the drugs he took, I started reading up on and the immediate issues that this, this does to your body is, are horrific. Oh, the, G- well, G- the GH1517, yeah. That's horrifically bad for your body. Yeah, I, I don't – I mean, it's it's a strange situation. Like what – how could he have expected to get away with all of that He, he when when he signed up for VADA testing? I, and, of course, at the press conference he was – you know, he was accusing AJ of having beefed up on, on, on roids over the years. How'd you gain that much muscle so fast? Nobody could do that. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, it, it's it's terrible, and it and it leaves and it screws over Joshua. It screws over Eddie Hearn, who would you know gave him pissed. that opportunity. Eddie Hearn is mad, dude. He's mad that this this big date that he spent a long time building up, putting because by the way, Eddie does not promote Big Baby. It's a co promotion deal between Greg Cohen and Dimitri Salida, but they've been sort of using him as a long term potential AJ opponent for this moment to cash in New York City U.S. debut against a Brooklynite against an unbeaten guy. Yeah, the promotion was going great. They had the they had the two terrible freestyles on New York radio. I mean, it was it was shaping hey, up to be to a that. fun event. The bad trash talk, the let pushing, me those talking about the moms, the landlords, all kinds of paying Let's rent. Get into I mean, it, it was. Let's stop the the presses now. We know that AJ went on Sway in the morning in New York City and did a rap, and they played that rap back to Big Baby. Find me fighting on June 1st at MSG, Liverpool MC in NYC, holding it down, I ain't a clown, I'm ready to rebound, I'm a knock Miller out around the eighth round, he can't round with the champ, I lick him down like a stamp, I'm going to hey, go down with the clamp. Lick him down. <laughs> Trash next. Big Baby's like, no, he ain't licking me down, but after Big Baby He's popped for too every... much Marvin C's, you know, let me lick you. Yeah, exactly. Listen to this too much performance enhancing audio and injecting himself with too much performance enhancing everything. After he popped, they asked AJ his thoughts. Still going ahead. The landlord was still coming collect his rent. And by the way, to Miller's mum, I still love you. And uh if there's anything I can do for you, just let me know. Rafe, what is what is he offering? Hey, whatever. He's offering to break her off a little something proper, you know. I mean, whatever, whatever happens, whatever she needs. If she's feeling down, she's feeling low. He, AJ knows how to knows how to give her some comfort. Everybody's I think is what he's trying to, to say. What is he trying to eat though when he says that? What what is what is Miss how why is Miss Miller a part of this, Rafe? I know everybody's got to eat, but this is starting to get a little gross. Right? <laughs> I don't know, but Brian, you look at that video. The thing I love about that video. Is make him toast myself. Yeah, I don't want to think about Miss Miller with jelly or maple syrup. Keep going. Sorry, I'm. I'm, I'm um, that video that AJ did, he it you could tell he wrote like a script out. He had it all planned, and then he's just sitting there in front of some bushes in a <laughs> with no shirt on. It's the weirdest. It is the weirdest sort of. I don't understand how it, how the situation that led to that the recording of that video. I want to know the backstory. Yeah. How did they plan it? Why did AJ think you know what? It'll be really put this over the top. As if I'm just sitting here with no shirt on. It just sucks, Rafe. Because December we had Wilder Fury. It exceeded expectations. It was a classic fight. There was a need for an immediate rematch because of the crappy decision. We were high on heavyweights, the renaissance. We're going to get Wilder Fury 2, 
and then AJ and Wilder are finally going to fight each other, or maybe Fury will win and throw a curveball here, and it'll be Fury Joshua into zone in front of 90K. Alex Godinez front row, D's nuts. We were fired up, Rafe. And then the Schwartz was with you. You got the Schwartz. Fury needs the Schwartz, and then another. I mean, come on. Now we got nothing, Rafe. We got nothing. Now, like you said, Wilder boobs Brazil is like a heavyweight Super Bowl. It's like, come it, it, on. It is a plague of jacking upon the heavyweight division. It's it's just, it's bad. It's gross. I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't need it. Thank you. All right. Oscar was a freak. Yes. Um. Yes. They're just jacking it from everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, speaking of jacking, that Floyd announcement that we wasted too much time teasing last week, thinking, is he going to come back? Is he going to fight Manny? Is he going to kickbox? Is he going to rematch tension? It was some fantasy site. I don't even care, Rafe. Should, can we go back into full on, I don't care mode about Floyd? Is there anything Floyd could do to make you care? Yeah, make a fight. If he wants to make a fight, I would care. Other than that, I don't care. All right. What about this guy talking about comebacks? Tim Bradley Jr. telling Dan Raphael, Guess what? I'd be open to a comeback three years removed from my last fight against one of two guys. Amir Khan, who we used to have the sound on the soundboard of him saying, I don't care if I'm in a wheelchair. Before I die, I will beat Amir Khan's ass, which, by the way, now the fight may not make as much sense. Or maybe it makes more sense now. You can argue. Or Errol Spence Jr. He's basically saying, if I'm going to come back, I want to fight the best. And Spence is the best. I want to fight him. Here's the problem, Tim. I'm sure Top Rank's got some kind of rights on you. You're employed by ESPN and Top Rank. You ain't fighting Errol Spence Jr. I good for good for Tim Bradley in that case because that is a Errol Spence by murder situation. Yeah, I mean I, you can say what you will about the size of of Tim Bradley's balls, and T Street has talked about that on this show before. T Street, where are you? Inside that big scrotum, scrotum. It's huge, huge testicles. Yeah, they're big, right? He's got real big balls. Damn right. Uh, but just be careful, Tim. Actually, to be honest, Amir Khan is the perfect fight. It was the fight at 140, the Super Bowl that we never saw. Tim doesn't have a lot of power. We don't want to see him get hurt. We don't want to see Amir get hurt. It's kind of perfect, right? Yeah, but what? I don't know. Just It's too late, Tim Bradley. I wanted you to stick around, but he didn't, and now I don't want him to come back. What about if we dig up Ruslan from the Siberian jungle, wherever he is, under ice somewhere, fishing? No? He's, I think he's like a mayor in, in, in a town in Siberia now. Right. He's, he's parlayed his, his boxing notoriety into right, a uh, career roll. in politics. I've washed your voice. You're, you're sick. You're barely hanging together. You got a 10 pound jug of water next to you. Let's get through this. Uh, Gary Russell Jr. is going to defend his featherweight title against Wash Kiko Martinez on the Wilder Brazil undercard May 18th in Brooklyn. Do you care? Hell no. All right. Uh, Victor Ortiz has come out and said, Hey, look, you know what? I'm young. I shouldn't be taking this kind of punishment. But if Marcos Maidana is serious and he wants to come back, let's do the rematch. Dude, this is nuts. Rafe, you in? <laughs> I, of course I'm in, man. I got to be in on that. All right. I, I, that's a, I don't care how much Maidana weighs. He's sending VO to hell all day. I don't know if he ha- Maidana has not fought in years. You wouldn't you wouldn't give VO a chance in that? No. No. I won't. I won't. All right. Uh final bit of news. Dana White said Zufa boxing is not dead, Rafe. He says I am making all my boxing moves after this summer. When the summer is over, you'll be hearing a lot 
about what I'm doing in the sport of boxing. Remember, he threw big money at both reportedly Golovkin and Mikey Garcia and got turned down. And Rafe just recently signed UFC Fight Pass streaming deals, as you give me the, the gross hand movement sign, as Dwyer would say, basically. He pumps it more than once. Yeah, I just watched Rafe do that. Um, yeah, Rafe, so here's the deal. Uh, he says, quote, Boxing has Wilder and Fury, who just fought to a draw in an incredible fight that people love. The rematch ain't happening with those two, and neither one of those two are going to fight Joshua. These guys could do a round-robin fight and fight each other. You know, both guys could fight Joshua, and they'd kill it. They'd make so much money, and they would bring so much energy and life back to boxing. But these guys, meaning boxing, keep shooting themselves in the foot. Dana, I love your idealism. You saved a broken MMA, and you made it a league in which you hold all the cards and all the rules, and the best always fight the best. You ain't doing that in boxing brother because boxing to this day rafe is filled with greedy criminals to this day to this day to this day so stop talking about how you're going to come into boxing you're just going to waste your money thank you moving forward weekend preview time do you care rafe are you ready do you have enough voice to close the show I you I I care I care I'm here for this. It's going to be a big weekend, brother. All right. Before we do that, let's throw it to somebody who has a part in this big weekend, and that is unbeaten junior welterweight Regis Progray. The WBSS is back, and so is Regis. Fun interview coming your way. Enjoy. Right, stepping in, Regis Progre, one of the most exciting fighters in the sport, and Ruguru, maybe, just maybe, the best 140 pounder in the world today. Fired up to chat with you again. How you doing, bro? I'm perfect, man. You can't say maybe. You gotta say I am the best 140. Well, that's what I'm saying. Maybe. Because you when said I maybe. read, you said maybe. Yeah, my bad on you that. Let me let's remove it's... that. Remove right, it from right, the record. What I'm saying here is when I look at the fine print. And I know, we know, of course, we're fired up for your semifinal bout in the World Boxing Super Series next Saturday, April 27th, on the zone against Carol Relic. It's a title fight, of course, for the WBA bell at 140. That's your first title fight of your career. And I'm going, really? I've been considering this guy the best at 140 for like three or four fights now. But, yeah. hey, the, they say the belt makes the man, or maybe the man makes the belt. How excited are you against yeah. Relic to sort of leave no doubt of where you stand at 140? I mean, I can't wait. You know, that's the thing. I can't, I, I just really can't wait. Um, this is, you know, this is my first like title shot. This is like this thought. This is for me, this is the beginning of my legacy, you know? So, I mean, I just, I, I you know, I can't wait to go out there and, you know, show people what I got and, you know, well, people already know what I got, but I can't wait to go out there and get this belt. Basically, you know, this is, this is, like I said, this is sort of, this is the beginning for me. This is, I mean, I've been doing it for a while now, but this is, you know, uh, most fighters, you know, they fight you when you, when you're a child or whatever, or when you first start, that's what you want. You want a championship. And, you know, this is going to be the official one for me. Absolutely. We're going to see this on the zone at 9 p.m. Eastern next Saturday from the Cajun Dome in Lafayette, Louisiana. And considering you're a New Orleans guy, we gonna see what kind of crowd are we gonna see? We're gonna see Rugaru masks all over the dome here. What's gonna happen? Probably so. You know what? Um, it's you know it's the the thing is it's perfect because it's halfway. I I live in Houston right now. I'm from New Orleans, so we should have both crowds, both people, both cities coming and you know meeting halfway. And 
on top of that, Lafayette is a big time fight city right now. It's a whole lot of um, amateur fighters, and it's a big time fight time right now. So I think they're really excited about me coming, and you know I can't wait to go, and I can't wait to go put on the show. So um, I, it should see a real nice Cajun crowd. Yeah, I'm loving the that. Mask nope. and all that type of stuff. Lou DeBella, promoter of DeBella Entertainment, will be fired up as always as well. Excited for you guys for this big one. Uh, do you ever wear the awesome Ruguru mask outside of the ring? You ever just prank, like, some solicitors at your front door? You ever get any other use out of it? You know what? I don't. Um, that The Ruguru mask actually, it stays in New Orleans most of the time. Right now it's in L.A. So most of the time I don't even have it at my house. And, you know, I got kids, you know, so my kids will tear that damn thing up anyway. So I kind of <laughs> keep it away. Um, I kind of keep it away from my house, you know, because my kids will. They, it's it's a it's a one on one. The mask is like a thousand dollars, so I kind of don't want you know my kids to go mess it up because they you know my kids will just, they'll tear it they'll tear it up. You know, one thousand so. dollars, good lord! I mean, it's got a nice haircut on it, so yeah, I, I could see where the the fine details are there. Uh, let's talk about this fight with Relic. For whatever some American fans may not know about the name or may go, oh, is that the guy that beat Bartholomew? Yeah, that's the guy that took Rancis Bartholomew up and down that ring. He's a champion in the WBA, one of the toughest fighters out there. What kind of style fight are we going to look at here? I'm just going to guess and say if Ruguru is in town, it's going to be a, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fast paced. But what are you expecting here? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's definitely going to be fast paced. But for me, is um, it's always about what I feel like doing. What I, you know, I always go in the ring, and you know, I work on so many different things in training camp. So I'm, I know I'm versatile. I can do so many different things, and um. I don't know. To be honest, I really don't know how I'm going to come out and fight. Today, you know, in sparring, I, you know, I, I use my jab. Most of the time, I didn't even get touched in sparring. And, you know, I played a lot. I did a lot of defensive stuff right stand right in front of my opponent and didn't get touched, like on some Panera Whitaker stuff. So, I mean, I can't do that. Um, but it, for me, it depends. It depends on what I see in them from the first round. I mean, if I feel like I feel like blasting them out, it depends. So uh, for me, it, it all depends on what I feel like doing in the, you know, in the ring. As soon as I get the next Saturday, you know, yeah, it looked like this WBSS tournament was on the ropes for a hot second. It seems like the momentum is back. We're going to see the other semifinal bout May eighteenth in Scotland. Ivan Baranchik and Josh Taylor. You're going to be a, a big time spectator for that one. I can assume. Who comes out of that fight in your in your eyes? You know what? Um, I think it's. I I, I really think it's like a, it's a. It's almost an even fight. I give the advantage more to Josh Taylor, but I think it's kind of a, almost an even fight, man. I think Josh Taylor is, of course, he he might be more of a better boxer. He has a good jab. He has decent power too. But Baranchek is a dog. Baranchek will come and he gonna try to knock his head off every punch, and we know that that's how he fights. And he can, of course, he's tough and he's gonna just keep bringing it, bringing it, bringing it to him. So, um, I don't think I don't think um Taylor fought nobody like that. Um, nobody like that that's gonna bring it to him yet. So it's gonna be interesting to see. But I still, for me, I still favor I, I favor Taylor more. And I should most likely I'll probably um thinking about it now I probably go out to the Scotland just to, you know be the live for the action. I love it. I love it. Look, here's why fans love these World Boxing Super Series tournaments, Regis, because. The best kind of forced to face the best. We saw it with the cruiserweights when Alexander Usyk came out with all four belts. If you beat Relic, you get the WBA. If you beat the winner, of course, 
of Taylor and Baranchik, you'd have the IBF. You'd also get, though, that Muhammad Ali trophy given to the winner. Um, it, it's, it's a cool thing. How much does that mean for a fighter, though? Uh, a trophy named after such a legend. How much is that prize, in, uh, you know, along with the championship belts in your vision as you look forward in this tournament? I mean, it's, it's huge, man. Ali, for me, is like one of the boxing guys to me. So, you know, just to get that trophy, like, you know, it, it, it's something that, you know, I, I, I definitely, I really want. Um, and I just can't wait. I mean, I, I, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, it's undescribable just to have that trophy. You know, I was in, I was in my style when Usyk got it. And, you know, the trophy is huge. And that's something that, you know, it's, it's, like I said, it's legacy. You know, that legacy, it'll never die. So, um, I can't wait to, you know, just, do it and get it and you know just just have that you know and, and when we was in Moscow for the parents um Lonnie Ali was there and I mean all that was just inspirational just just to be in the presence of you know um one of the Ali's it was just very very inspirational for me yeah no, no question about it and like I mentioned the winner of this tournament at 140 will have two of the four recognized titles the other two of course are owned by one by Jose Ramirez one by Mo Hooker and if you mm-hmm. come out of this tournament on top some divisions, Regis, as you know, big fights can get made. It doesn't seem to matter. Other divisions, welterweight, heavyweight, we see a lot of, like, promoters, networks get in the way. How confident are you, if you win this entire tournament, that you could have a chance at unifying all four titles against those names I mentioned? Does this look like a division where you think it can happen? Hopefully so. The thing is, hopefully so, you know. Um, just like you said, in some divisions, you know, you get mixed up, and you know they got they got the networks, they got the promoters and stuff. And I, I really don't think those fights, uh, you know, those fighters, promoters, you know, they I don't think they will want to fight me no time soon. You know, when you know probably once I you know get the the trophy and both the other belts, hopefully you know they can they can make the fight. But um, my thing is, you know, I wanna I wanna do the same thing Crawford did. He was undisputed. He took all four belts at one forty. It's only a few fighters in history that did that. So I definitely want to do that. But if they offer me a 47, um, if they offer me something big at 147, then, you know, I might just go ahead and go up to 147. So, for me, it all depends on what happens, what's the moves after the tournament, um, after the tournament is done, and then, you know, I, I kind of make my decision from there. But my plan, I, what I would want to do, not saying my plan, but what, what I would like to do is definitely get all, all the belts at 140. I would, you know, I would definitely want to do that and be undisputed and then move up to 47 in a perfect world. But, of course, we're not in the perfect world. We're in the not so perfect world. So, if um if they offer me something at one forty seven, maybe they might offer me a you know a a big fight at one forty seven. Then you know I'll go ahead and you know move up and just you know be happy with the two belts I have um at one forty. But it all it all depends on you know everything because boxing moves crazy sometimes. You know, these they might have the belt, and then next thing you know, they might not even have the belt, and then they might try to hold on to the belt and all that type of stuff. Somebody else might try to hold on to the belt. So, um, you know, we'll just see. We'll see. First, I just, the main thing I just want to concentrate on is next Saturday against Relic and get, you know, get the first belt before I start talking about all four belts. Oh, yeah. First or first. No question. And if you win this tournament, as we're sort of uh, saying a what if, I mean, you'd be in a spot, like you said, where – 140, 147, people will be knocking on your door. And about that, look, we, we sort of teased at it. There can be, you know, sides of the street, if you will, because guys get sort of exclusive offers on one network or they get tied to one network. We've seen you have your biggest fights on zone. We've seen some big ones on ESPN. Is it strategic for you being promoted by Lou DiBella right now to keep yourself, 
I guess, almost like a television free agent where you can go after the biggest fight and not be locked down? How do you sort of look at that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's the perfect thing right now, Um, you know, just to stay as a free agent. And, you know, so I don't, yeah, just like you said, so I don't be locked out from no big fights. You know, it's it's, it's big fighters, it's people with um, belts at 140 and 147 in all, you know, every, basically every network right now. So right now I can kind of fight on whatever network. I can fight, you know, whatever, whenever I want, basically. So I think it's a good deal right now until, of course, you know, the money always makes a difference. So if somebody offers me a big, fat, fat check, then, you know, we'll see what happens after that. Yeah, well, what Regis is saying is he'll fight on the Lifetime Network if they if the money's there. He has no problem with that whatsoever. Oh, what? Of course. What? We'll, have to, we'll have to bring Lifetime Boxing up. That's yeah. all. I'll start <laughs> Lifetime Boxing. I think I, I think no we can make that, that happen. All right. I said off the top. I think, and that's the older crowd, too, so that's cool. The older crowd will start looking at it. <laughs> the older crowd still watches life. regular TV. You're right. That's, that's a good plan right there. All right. If you're not the man at 140, some people like this guy, Jose Ramirez. And, Regis, I was there ringside his last fight. Kind of controversial. First of all, one heck of a fight against Jose Zapata. Majority decision win. Hey, I kind of thought Jose won that fight. What was your opinion of that performance from Jose Ramirez and where his standing is next to you as one of the kings of this division? Um, I mean, with Jose Ramirez, I mean, he's, for me, he's a, you know, I think he's a B-level fighter. He's okay. You know, you saw what happened in his last fight against Zapata. I, to be honest, I only watched about um, seven rounds, and from those seven rounds, it looked like he was he was having a hard time with him. It looked like he was struggling. You know, it wasn't he. It, he didn't really look like a champion should look, basically. Um, and maybe if you know if if they wasn't in Fresno, California, maybe it it would have went a different way. You know, so um, I mean, you know, he he he's okay, but I just I definitely don't think that he's on the level that I'm on right now. I think that you know he's one dimensional. You know, he's a he, he's a good Mexican fighter. He comes forward and just he gonna throw a lot of punches. Of course, he's gonna be in shape. But if you look at somebody like, if you look at Zapata, you know Zapata. I think he, you know, he could have he outboxed him a lot, uh, a majority of the, of the fight. And you know, he stuck his jab on him and hit him with some, you know, some clean shots. Now, if you, if, if you take, if he takes those same shots from me, I don't. It's not gonna be a good look for him. Basically, I think, you know, I think he, that's possibly could be a knockout. And he, I don't think he will land. If if I really fight slick, like I really want to. He won't land a punch on him. I don't think. You know, he probably land two punches, but it won't be nothing telling, nothing hurting, um, nothing that'll really hurt me or nothing like that. You know, so I mean, the whole thing with him, I, I definitely want to fight him. Me and him, you know, I have we always me and his man, we had words and stuff like that. I felt that he should have entered into the War Boxing Super Series, um, but he took the, you know, he took the route to go to Fresno and defend it over there, um, you know. So hopefully, he keeps the belt. He keeps the belt um, when I get out, and then that hopefully and it could be a huge fight down the line. I really think it should be there to be a huge fight down the line, and then we can unify or whatever, you know. So that's kind of my thoughts about, um, you know, Jose Ramirez. Wow, that would be one hell of a fight for the fans. There's really no question about that. Uh, the idea of either staying at 40 or go to 147, is there any weight considerations there? Is it hard for you to make 140? We, I look at you as a very big junior welterweight. Yeah, no, it's definitely not. Um, I actually make weight comfortable. I don't know. I think the, the older the older I'm getting, the better I'm getting at making the weight. I'm getting more disciplined. Um, because when I was, I think when I was a little younger, you talk about like, 
you know, when I was like 23, 25 or something, I can sit in the sauna for an hour and lose 10 pounds or 12 pounds or something like that. But now I just, I don't need to do that now. I'm I'm good on my diet. Um, I have, you know, I have people that's cooking good for me and all that stuff. So the weight now, like the weight is getting, I don't know why the weight is getting easier. It felt like it was harder when I was younger. But now as I'm getting older, the weight is just getting, it's getting easier for me. It's getting easier to make. So um, I'm making it, of course, it's always going to be some type of struggle, but I'm making it pretty, I feel like I'm making it pretty comfortable. But as far as 147, uh, when I plan to go up to 147, I, of course, I'll, I'll get on the weights and put some weight on me and then, you know, then go up. Yeah, that, that's great. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, keep it up. No question about it. I want to ask you, Neil, we've talked to you about this before on this podcast, how you do sort of cross training. You, you work some MMA stuff. How has that helped you in boxing at all? Is there any, has there been any, any ways in which it surprised you? No, I mean, the whole thing, um, I mean, my, my wife is Brazilian and right, actually right now I got, um, some of her family over here staying with me in Houston right now. So, I just I went out there and I'm just a fan of fighting. Period. You know, I just love to fight. I'm a fan of fighting. It's something that I just want to learn. So when I went to Brazil, you know, I was I was out there training, doing some jujitsu and MMA and stuff. Training with the MMA fighters, they they welcome me with open arms. You know, uh, you know, fighters they kind of everybody kind of respect fighters. I don't know why, but fighters get respect from everywhere. So um, I, I mean, that that's kind of you know that was the main reason you know that I did it. I just I just was out there. And I felt like doing it, and you know, I I want to continue doing it right now. So after the fight, most likely I'll go, I'll go back, and you know, do the same thing. Yeah, but does it make you feel like stronger in any way? Does it give you more stamina? Has there ever been any sort of cool added benefits that you didn't expect? Uh, I wouldn't. I didn't do it. To be honest, I really didn't do it as much, um, that much to say it's a uh, added benefit. Basically, um, I I think it. Yeah, really well. As far as that, I think, yeah, as far as overall body strength, yeah, you definitely get stronger wrestling around on the ground, and you definitely get a little stronger from doing that. I feel like I've always been a pretty strong person, but, yeah, when you're doing, when you're doing jiu-jitsu on the ground, all overall wrestling, I think, if yeah, it definitely will get you stronger and your um, stamina will be a little, a little better. All right, I'm not trying to stir the pot and mix things up here, Rougarou, but there's this hot – prospect Teofimo Lopez who's basically wants to fight everybody wants to fight him now I can't hate on the guy he's exciting but he doesn't think he can make 35 any longer he wants Loma tomorrow and then he wants to move up to 40 you've shared a bill with him before on an ESPN card would you ever share the ring with him is that a fight you would be interested in yeah of course of course um I think it'll be interesting fight he's a real I think he's a really exciting fighter um but let him test the water at 40. Right now, I feel like, you know, he's still uh, – I think he's still a prospect right now at, at 135. So, you know, he definitely got to – I feel like – and I'm 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 soon to be a world champion at 140. So he got a lot, a lot of proving to go. Of course, he's good. He's exciting at 135, but he has a lot of proving. He has a lot of things to do um, to at 140. When he comes up to 140, he has a lot of proving to do. If, if You know, but of course, I, I duck nobody, run from nobody. If if it happens, then it happens. But he has, a, like I said, he has a lot, he he has a lot of proving to do. He's you know he's still a prospect right now at one thirty five. He has a lot, a lot of a whole bunch of proving to do right now. If I get, if I give you the gift, if I give you the key in boxing and said Regis, after this tournament, let's say I, I can see the future. I say you're going to win this WBSS tournament, and then you can fight mm-hmm. anybody in the sport. Your choice will make it happen. Who would you pick? 
You know who I always want is um, Crawford, Terrence Crawford. I always oh, wow. want, definitely all. It's either Ramirez or Crawford, but Crawford is way better than Ramirez. I'm, I mean, I'm always in the sport because I'm, I'm a competitor, you know, and I want to prove I'm the best. And I think I really think that when, when everything is said and done, you know, you talk about 20 years down the line from now, it, as far as all the people, all the uh, most of the fighters that's out right now, I think Crawford might be remembered more than a, a lot of them, you know. Um, so that's why I would want to fight him. De- you know, I would definitely love to get a fight him and get a win over him one day. And um, But I always want to fight Crawford just because how good he is. And I'm a competitor. And, I, you know, I want to prove myself, you know, to be the – I want to prove myself that, you know, I'm – I wanted to, I'm definitely one of the best. I know I'm, I know I'm one of the best at 140, but I don't want, you know, I, I want to prove that I'm the one of the best in the world, period, regardless of weight class. Talk about pound for pound. So, yeah, after I, I feel like after the tournament, you know, I would, I probably would like to fight, you know, get a get a few fights at 147 and you know go after Crawford if everything wow. goes right. Or Ramirez, either one, Ramirez or Crawford. Hot fire with Regis Progray, getting me all fired up for the potential there. Well, I'll tell you this, though. If you come out of this tournament on top, it's going to be hard to keep you out of that pound-for-pound mix. You're unbeaten. We'll see you Saturday, April 27th for that WBA Junior Welterweight World Title against reigning champion Carol Relic. Semifinals, WBSS in the zone. Rougarou, always a pleasure, my man. Love the confidence. Love the fire. Best of luck to you. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. And we're back. Special thanks to Regis Prograde. Rafe, you're a big Rougarou guy. So am I. The guy's just fun. The guy's just got a great accent, a great attitude, wants to fight everybody. How can you not like this guy? The question is, will he be the last man standing at the end of the WBSS? It's a, the tournament is great. I, I, I mean, if it, and if it leads to the, Anticipated Josh Taylor Regis Progray championship. Whew. I don't know who I'm picking that. I love both of those guys. I'm really high. I think they're both have real world class potential, like, like possible pound for pound potential and them facing each other. Oh, it's, it's a dream, man. All right. This is a big hipster weekend as we set off the top. Basically, here's the deal. Boxing hasn't been great in 2019. It's been segregated, stretched. Like De- Devin Alexander's anus, right? It's been very sorry. Uh, you stuff destroyed. It's, yeah, it's been very just stretched and uh, and and segregated. The pay per view fights have been kind of non pay per view quality on paper. We haven't seen a lot of creative fights, but this weekend you're getting fights that if you're a hardcore fan, you want to see, you need to see, you have to see. So I want to start right there with Rougarou. It's Saturday night in. DeZone Rafe, Lafayette, Louisiana, in the Cajun Dome, two hours from where this man is from. Main event, Carol Relic defends his WBA Junior Welterweight title against Rougarou in the WBSS semifinals. Are you fired up for this, Rafe? I am fired up. I, I, I know people like Carol Relic. I just don't see it, man. I think Rougarou is going to put it on him. I think Rougarou will stop him. Wow. I think he could stop him like Danny could stop Canelo. You know, basically, uh, Relic made his name off of what he did with Rances with Wolves and that close Exactly, loss which first... don't mean jack nothing to me. Wow, we will see Rances this weekend, so Pretty Rafe doesn't care already for I that one. I won't see Rances this weekend. Book I it. like what Regis was saying in the interview, though, about how we know him as a pressure guy, but he's working a lot more on becoming more of a boxer, being patient, being slick. Rafe, this guy's good, and here's the deal, something we didn't get into earlier. We probably should. We're talking about what does Terrence Crawford do next? 
And we talk, I talked to Ruger about it. You heard that. But, you know, we're like, Kell Brook maybe if you can't get a PBC guy. Really, I think for Bob, you try to speed up this WBSS, which you have no hand in right now, and you hope the winner that comes out of this, you hope it's Regis Progray who's fought on ESPN before in main events. You hope you build Progray unbeaten 140 champ moving up in weight against Crawford. That's a hell of a fight. That's a hell of a fight. And if it ends up being Josh Taylor who wins that tournament, that's a hell of a fight too. He's a taller one. He's a taller 140 might scale up to 147 better. And we've already seen him pull out a really tough competitive fight with Victor Postal, who we remember fought Terrence Crawford. Yeah, you could hear Rafe's voice is leaving him. His health is leaving him. This show will kill him. My whole soul. My whole soul is leaving me. Take his whole soul away. All right, Rafe, that co-main event, I know you care about this. This is a semifinal in the Bantamweight bracket of the WBSS World Boxing Super Series. Zolani Tete against Nonito Donare, Philippines, Rafe. His, the, the Pinoy power. It's a unification fight for the WBO and WBA straps at 118. And be wary, Nonito, because we know what Zolani wants to do. If I catch you with those, I will sing the lullaby song for you. Rafe, we love Nonito. It's been a storied mini run back to contention here late in his 30s. He's got pop at 118. Is he going to hear the lullaby song? I don't know. He may play the lullaby song for Tete. It's 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 gonna be a cagey fight. It might be kind of boring with a lot of lot of staring back and forth, trying to catch each other with counters. But I, it's a tough one to call. Do you do you, do you favor one guy here? Clearly, I guess Tete because he's the, the younger, fresher. I favor the Russian. I favor Tete here. Look, Donito has devolved to this point in his career where it's kudos to him. He can actually cut back down in weight. He's gone as high as what? Featherweight? He can cut back down to 118 and still make it, but he's a one-punch slugger. Zolani can, can, can fight and he's got pop. I feel like this will turn into a bit of a war and Tete's at this point in his career is quicker with better technique. I feel like he could be lighting Donito up here. It could be one of those things where Nonito just keeps stalking as he's getting hit with big shots, and eventually he's caught, and eventually we we stop the fight. Well, if that's what happens, at least it saves Nonito from seeing Naoya Inoue in the championship. Yeah, today, mister. Sonny Fredrickson on this undercard, the junior welterweight against TBA. I know you don't care. Stop that crap. Do you care deep on the undercard when rock-hard mighty Mason Maynard the native Louisiana and comes back on a short turnaround from a visit to hell via Teofimo Lopez, six rounds lightweights against Ariel Vasquez. Ray, are you going to tune in early for this on the zone? Save big money at Menards. That's all I got to say. Yeah, yeah. His Nards. Yeah, okay. Um, let's start it out at the top of the pops this weekend. It actually begins Wednesday night. Do you care? This is kind of near you. It might be in your backyard. You might be able to hop on a on a on a jet plane. A little a little uh, uh what do you call those things? What do you call those little tiny planes when they drop from one? Just you know those uh yeah, something hopper, I think. Yeah, right? yeah, a pond hopper. Yeah, something like that. Uh, Chonburi, Thailand. We've got a title fight. Wan oh Han, yeah, the dwarf giant. Wanhan Menayothin. Versus Tatsuya Fukuhara rematch, twelve rounds for Menayothin's WBC strawweight title. Rafe, do you care? Rematching? Nope. Okay. Hey, how about this, Rafe? Thursday night, Las Vegas on UFC Fight Pass. Connor Coyle oh, versus no. Robert Burwell. Why? No. Eight rounds middleweights. Is that a that's a Roy Jones Jr. event, right? 
I'm sure it is. I don't care. No, don't care. Uh, yeah, unless it's a it's not in New York, right? So it's not a lube event. No. Thursday night, Indio, California, one of these weird DAZN Golden Boy Facebook things, but it's not on Facebook anymore. It airs like on regional cable stations. Steve Claggett versus Eve's Ulysses Jr. rematch, 10 rounds, junior welterweights. You don't care, right? Don't care. All right. Marlon Esparza, the female flyweight. No, 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 no. Stop that crap. All right, Rafe. Um, yeah, uh, you don't care about that. Let's get into what you do care about. This is for hardcores only. Friday night, we could be seeing a fight of the year. Inglewood always up to no good at the forum, your other backyard and in the zone. The zone this weekend, by the way, giving it to you. This is where you make your 999 or 1999, whatever you subscribe to. Main event, SSR, the Rat King, Srisiket, Sor, Rung Visai, 12 rounds rematch, Juan Francisco Estrada for SSR's WBC Junior Bantamweight title, 115, the Flyweights, Rafe Superfly. Holy crap, their first fight was at the beginning of last year, and it really was the second or third best fight of the year, if we're being honest. What can we expect in this rematch? Well, the last time we saw SSR rematch a guy, it was a lot quicker than the first time yes. he fought him. Now, I don't think that Gallo is Chocolatito level washed at, like, like, like Gonzalez was when he fought SSR the second time. But SSR, he doesn't have this technique. He's not as polished a boxer as Estrada, and on some level, I really would love to see Estrada get over the hump in one of these big fights where he always comes so close and either doesn't get the decision where he, that he could have gotten or he, you know, he just doesn't quite pull it off. He's good enough to do it. He might, I could see him doing it, but SSR has the, that, that animal strengths kind. Of, he, he, he has that little baby Pacquiao thing going where he just seems too physical, too athletic, got the high socks. You can't mess with the high socks. And he's got, and he's fueled now. He's still mad over what that tramp did to him. Yeah. And he's going to take that out. He is not done taking his vengeance on the world for getting dumped. And Gaio, he's coming for you. Well, I think that, I think that we see SSR take another win, maybe a late stoppage. Maybe a bit of his soul. Wow. Uh, as we, as we've established with, uh, Vlad teasing a comeback in wake of, uh, breaking up with Hayden, you know, guys are dangerous when their heart is hurt. You know, that's a wounded animal right there. So SSR is coming for all the rats. All the tails. He's, I mean, he's ready. Here's the best thing that can happen for this division and for boxing, Rafe. That Gaio would finally have his moment. He lost a majority decision the first time around. Hell of a fight. Great style contrast. They kind of took turns owning three or four rounds at a time. It was fantastic theater. This is the same site as the first one. Give me an Estrada split decision win in a great fight that not only sets up a trilogy, but in the meantime, sets up a rematch. Between Estrada and Chocolatito, the one that we've wanted for a while, bro. How fired up would you be for that? Then the winner gets a, a trilogy with SSR. You couldn't book it any better if you were Vince McMahon, Brian. Yes. I'm sure Qual Carlos Quadras and his back knee will be watching this fight closely. All right. I'm fired up for it. Really, my prediction here. I, I want Estrada to get a win here, but I think you're right. SSR is just too big for this weight class, dude. He just – and he just comes, Rafe. He just brings it rock hard style. He's going to win. 
I don't think he stops Estrada. He's still only 29, and all that's old for a small Mexican man, but in the ring at least. But I don't know. I think I got a, a wider decision win in reality here for SSR. Wider decision win. All right. I don't know if you care. Co-main event, Inglewood, same card. It's a junior featherweight unification bout. WBA and IBF coming together when Danny Roman and TJ Doheny. 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 Don't he, Rafe? I, I, we just can expect Brian Kenny to be just laying into the pronunciation 100%. He loves him, an Irish fighter. Do you care yet about Danny Roman? I kind of don't. No, 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 I don't. I All don't. Right. Well, good. That's a good I, point. I'd stop Canelo. Yeah, here's a fight I care about, Rafe. I didn't even know this was on this card. Oh, I'm fired up for this. I know your your health is struggling right now. You're barely hanging on, but hang on for this, Rafe. Jesse Vargas versus Humberto Soto. Ten rounds to awesome. middleweights with Soto fresh off that war with washed Rios. Rafe, holy <laughs> crap, sign me up. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Props to Humberto Soto. That guy fights like a tough, tough <laughs> gang member. And I don't know if Jesse Vargas – he Vargas better catch him with something big and end it early because he does not want to be in a war with Humberto Soto. Not at all. Also on Friday, Rafe, DeZone will be in Italy for one of these Eddie Hearn Italian cards Stop that nobody that crap. cares about. Stop that crap. Okay, I will not even read you the main event because I know you don't care. It's Fabio Turchi against Jean-Jacques Olivier, 12 rounds cruiserweight. You know who either of those people are? John Jock, JJ Olivier? No, I don't, I don't. But they're cruiserweights, Rafe, okay? I know you. Oh, I'm into that. Okay, never mind. I'm, I like that. I like okay. that. Okay. You do love it when we're cruising together. All right, let's close out this show here with a couple other things. Um, do you care about Rene Alvarado, the junior lightweight main eventing in, uh, Nicaragua? No, right? Absolutely not, my friend. Okay, okay. And also we go to this. Saturday from London, ESPN Plus. This sounds like it's, Screaming to be one of these new MTK global cards that ESPN got into business with. Daniel Dubois versus Richard Larte, 10 rounds heavyweights. Do you care? Uh, I will wait a few more fights to uh, to care about Daniel, young Daniel Dubois. All right, co-main event, Lerone Richards versus Tommy Langford, 12 rounds super middleweights. Oh, I, I just got – I love Tommy Langford for the time that he got sent all the way to hell – by the great of Tandil Kurtzidze. Yes. I would love to visit you in prison someday, you tiny little Georgian maniac. Yes. Thank you. You can't handle your speed, son. Yes. Um, Rafe, let's close it with this here. Saturday night showtime, Las Vegas. Do you care about this? I was wrong the other day when I said it was a 140 fight. It's a lightweight fight. Robert Easter Jr., Rancis with Wolves, Bartholomew, 12 rounds for the vacant. WBA regular lightweight title. I like this matchup a lot. It's not a main event. This is a Showtime card that's not delivering during a crowded weekend. This would be a great co-main on the West Coast or anywhere. But Robert Easter versus Rancis, I kind of like the fight, Rafe. What do you feel? I don't need to see much more Rancis in my life. However, I'm very happy that Robert Easter is getting back in the mix. I, I, it's, a, it's a talented division. There's a lot going on at 135. He's one of the better fighters in it. He only got that loss to Mikey Garcia, which was fairly competitive, even though, you know, he got beat real clear. But still, he was, he, he, he wasn't. He wasn't washed in that fight. And, and shoot, he's good. I want more Robert Easter in my life. So this is a good start for that. All right. I like this fight a lot. I certainly favor Easter. Rancis still has, still kind of keeps slowly letting us down. Went up to 140, back down to 135. Just doesn't throw enough punches. Ultimately is his problem. 
He's a Cuban being. He, he doesn't, he's not gonna, he, yeah, he doesn't do enough to win any fights, any big fights. He always has wild and hair he, too, which I respect, but. I, the hair I'm down with. He's got some good hair. He's been swap, he's been switching ladies on Instagram lately too, but that's his personal business. I can't get behind that, Rafe, alright? Um, also it's on 2019, this, Brian. Yeah, athletes do sleep with a lot of women. I really gotta just let that happen. Um, in the cold main event, Victor Postal, a guy I know you love, yeah. is back against Mohamed Mamouni. 12 rounds, it's a junior, welterweight title eliminator in the WBC. Do you care? I do care. I, I have a whole spiel prepared about how we need, we, there's so much we still need to learn about Victor Postal and he might actually be a really good fighter at 140, maybe even at 147, but, but I do not want to inflict my voice upon our listeners anymore. Yeah. Let's just say I care about this fight. As Dwyer would say, don't fall in love with fighters who are what? No longer Exist? Exist, yeah. I don't know if that guy exists anymore, the one that stopped uh the new Manny Pacquiao. I'm not sure. All right, Effie Ajagba, that great-looking PBC heavyweight, will also be on this card in the opener, 10 rounds against Michael Wallish. Rafe, um, maybe they're going to have to fast-track this guy into a Deontay fight. Yo, I, I think it's always a good idea to start uh, a card with some heavyweight splatter, some gore, some yeah. fangoria, and that's what that's what FA gives you at this level. FA is fighting like every four weeks now too. I love it. Also on this card, Terrell Williams against Justin Deloach, ten rounds welterweights. Rafe, I don't know if that name rings well to you, but Terrell Williams was the guy who got that DQ win over Pritchard Cologne in the fight that unfortunately sent Cologne oh, into a coma. No. And Terrell looked great in that fight, but took a long time off after it, and it messed with him mentally, knowing what happened to Pritchard. And uh, ultimately, he came back, got a couple wins. But did, this was a Joe Goosen guy. Did, were you up on Terrell Williams? Do you care about this? I mean, I remember that fight, and obviously the the tragic outcome. I, I hadn't really followed what happened with Terrell Williams since. I I'm guess I'm glad he's back in the ring, and I hope that he gets to pick up where his career left off, because that was a big upset win for him. Just. The, what happened to Cologne was rough. Yeah. Jezreel Corrales, Richard Zamora, eight rounds lightweights on the center card. You don't care, right? Not really. All right. Finally, Ray, finally, this is it. I swear I'm going to let you get off the show. Monday, Panama City, Panama. No, I don't care about Anselmo Moreno. Yes. Taking on Daniel Kalula, eight rounds featherweights. Rafe, Anselmo Moreno used to be somebody. I looked him up on BoxRec. He hasn't had a good run lately, Rafe. Somehow he's actually not that old. He's only, what, uh, 33? He was last stopped care, two man. years ago by Julio Ceja. Stopped the fight before by Shinsuke Yamanaka. Yamanaka lost to that guy earlier. Was stopped by Juan Carlos Payano. It's been a long time, Rafe, since he moved up to face Abner Mars in 2012. That was a fun fight. That was a fun fight. However, yeah, he, he, whatever he had, he, it ain't there no more. All right. Thank you, Rafe. Whatever you had is also gone as you are washed. I really hope you get better, though, from your food poisoning. Stay away from that weird stuff, Rafe. All right? Just please. It's airline food. How was uh, you? You expect it to just be slopped. That doesn't hurt you. I didn't know it was going to hit me this way. Yeah, just stay away from that weird stuff. Please leave it alone, okay? Please leave me alone. Yes. Great show, Rafe. We went long and hard. We went rock hard, mighty on this show. Special thanks to Regis Progray. Follow this man at Rafe Bugs on Twitter. Read his books. Revisit his 
collaborations. Hey, follow Richard Dwyer on YouTube. He fuels this show a lot. Check out Evan Rutkowski's podcast, The Fistionados. Uh, follow uh, at the Alex Godinez on Twitter, our number one fan who has yet to uh, attempt to take one of our organs, Rafe, which is really nice of him. You know? Yep. Maybe we'll hit the Irish crew on the way out here. Shout out the Gypsy Boys, right? Okay, the Gypsy Boys. Oh, the Irish crew. Hey-oh. Hey, we go. Rise in. Take a punch just That's it. The show's over. We out. That's it. I can't do any more. Rafe's dead. That's it. Enjoy. We out. Nah. You think I care how that guy ended that podcast? No. I don't. We out.